Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 5, Episode 25. This week we're talking 2012's Les Miserables. With Joe. Isn't worth my spirit. Comforted the listener and lifelong And Sam. Cunningly to bring. Regular Voltaire thinks he's quite a lover, but there's not much there. Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Jean Valjean to my inspectors of air. Sam, how you feeling, pal? I feel great. Aside from oh the God. cold. <laughs> <laughs> Sam uh, yeah. has a cold. <laughs> I, um... Yeah, it's really hard to sing with the <clears throat> the thrashed throat. Well, thankfully, we'll yeah. let Russell Crowe do all your singing for you. Awesome. Yes. Uh, it's serviceable. Yes, it's serviceable. And, you know, his uh, his performance as Javert, I think, is great. His performance as an actor. As an actor. As an actor. Yes. It's fantastic. I've, I have never seen the show. The actual Broadway show. As an actor, he does a good job of playing Javert. Yes. A great job, I would say. I, in fact, I would put him in one of the better performances acting-wise yes. in this movie. Yes. What sucks is when the words come out Just, of his mouth. <laughs> yes, when he says the words, very long and changing of tones. Yes. It's a uh, it's it's struggle. It is. But this week you nominated Les Mis from 2012 for the musical Pantheon. This is our third musical in what? Uh, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. Really knocking them out. We really are. We're filling up this Pantheon. We're like, you know what we need in our lives after all these seasons? <laughs> the joys of musicals. And let's look at the joyful musicals we've had so far. Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors, which is a joyful one. Yeah. Newsies, which is just a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and the ever amazing Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> so I have an easy question for you. Or maybe it's not so easy. Uh, do you think Les Mis has a chop of topping Fiddler on the Roof at the top spot of the musicals? I think so. Okay. But we'll, we'll see what... Uh, you you know, what the grades... What, what Dickhead does over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see what... Uh, we'll see what Steve has to say. Well, Steve has not seen Les Mis. What are you doing with your life, Steve? Well, I know, I know you, you're you doing the whole family and... There's a couple of kids. And there was a hurricane. <clears throat> that happens twice a year. He's the commissioner of a fantasy football league. We're all pain in the ass. Okay. I mean, his hands are full. Uh, now... I'm looking at this, and I do realize that I have Little Shop of Horrors as an A minus, and I have Fiddler on the Roof as a B plus, and I'm going to stick with that. I am going to stick with that, and this may make people a little upset later on when I give my grade. <laughs> Mainly the person that's looking at me right now. <laughs> what are you going to do there? I do want to go into this saying that I unfortunately have a bias with this movie. And so anything that I say, leave our biases at home. And it's very hard for me because this is one of those in my DNA musicals. 
So I want you to be able, here's the thing. I think you should listen to Sam much, with much more weight than me today. Much more weight. It's not an equal playing field. It, it's, it's much more weight on your end because I'm going to be, I'm going to do my best to stay unbiased, but boy, it's hard. Yeah. Well, you cherish the, the play, the stage performance. Yes. Dearly. Very much so. I've seen it several times this week. I have never seen it live, which is a shame to myself. But it's awesome for this particular podcast. Yes, because this is strictly going to be the film. Right. Yeah. You have the unvarnished to look at it. Yes. Of Les Miserables. <laughs> the Les Miserables. <laughs> well, that's why I'm, I'm like... Based on this, my grade that I have in my head already may be changing based on what you say today, which would not be the That's first right. time. Come to the dark side. It's I, okay. I'm not, the waters are fine. Look, it's a late miss. I'm not going to complain. Uh... <laughs> But let's get down to business. This week, we're talking about 2012's Les Miserables, a movie made for $61 million that brought in $441.8 million. Not bad for a musical. Uh, screenplay, by, screenplay by William Nicholson, Alan Bublil, uh, Claude Michel Schoenberg, and Herbert Kretzmer, uh, directed by Tom Hooper, famous for Cats. Shut, wait, what? He, Shut he, up. He directed Cats, too. No. <laughs> Wow, talk about one hit fucking wonder. Well, no, no, no. Because had, he also did the, the King's Speech, yeah? I've got his directorial stuff right here. And he, let's see, he did, movie-wise, he did the Elizabeth movie, Elizabeth the First, with uh, Kate Blanchett. Oh, okay. Uh, he did the John Adams miniseries, which is amazing. Oh, yes. Um, King's Speech, Les Mis. Perfect movie. The Danish Girl, nominated for Oscars. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um. And and then, cat buttholes. Cat buttholes. What is it? Susie Dench. Yeah, licking her own self. <laughs> Judy Dench. Judy, Judy Dench. Dench. That's what it is. Yes. Judy Dench. Lifts her leg up and licks her own asshole. <laughs> Cats, baby. Opened on Christmas Day of 2012. Uh, rated R. Runtime two hour and 38 minutes, which is just 12 minutes shorter than the play. Hey, that's and not... you get an intermission with the fucking play, right? Exactly. Part of one thing I'll bring up later is like, I wish this movie was maybe like 15 minutes longer mm. with an intermission to I take see. a break, take a breath yeah. and reset. And for me, I thought they trimmed the right fat off the right songs. Okay. Starring Hugh Jackman as Jean Valjean, Russell Crowe. <laughs> as Javert, Anne Hathaway as Fantine, Amanda Seyfried as Cosette, Sasha Baron Cohen as the Thenardier, and Helen ba Helena Bonham Carter as Madame Thenardier, Eddie Redmayne as Marius, Samantha Barks as Eponine, who played Eponine in Great Britain's stage run, Colm Wilkinson, the original, the OG Jean Valjean on Broadway as the Bishop. Oh no shit, I didn't know that about him. Francis Raphael, the original Eponine on Broadway as a hoe. And, That's what's up. Yeah. And Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso as factory worker number two. <laughs> uh, according to the IMDb, this movie had a couple taglines. Which one is your favorite? We got fight, dream, hope, and love, and the dream lives this Christmas. I don't like either of these. I don't like either one. I think the first one is the month more apt. Sure. Let's do the first. I'm going to say the first. <laughs> the only Christmas bit of this is Christmas or 
old Saint Nick getting a lap dance and getting drunk. Maybe we should come up with our own taglines for movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, remember we were doing, like, describe this movie in 10 words or less? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good. Let's bring that shit back. Okay. All, right. All right. Do you remember seeing this for the first time? What'd you think? Oh, yeah. It was Christmas Day in the biggest theater at the Regal Thoroughbred mm. in Cool Springs. And it was absolutely glorious. Well, I, I was also Christmas Day with the family. Yeah. Yeah. I was already a fan of the musical. I knew every damn word. It's my favorite of all time. I was hoping the movie wouldn't do the original dirty. Did it? It was. Uh, here's the thing. I can't say it did it. And I can't your, say. What was your first reaction walking out of the theater? It was. Well, that was different. Okay. I was completely neutral. Okay. I wasn't upset. I wasn't celebrating. I was like, that's Les Mis. Okay. Okay. That, 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 <laughs> that was it. Now it's time. Inception for perception. Now <laughs> to do this, I had to kind of st like figure out where the theatrical stuff stopped and the musical or the movie stuff started. Yeah. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. Okay, following the release of Les Mis in 1980, a French sung through concept album based on the novel of the same name by Victor Hugo. Uh, the musical premiered at the Palais des Sports in Paris in 1980. And it has this lovely little run. But in 1988, Alan Parker was considered to direct a film adaptation of Les Mis musical. And in 1991, Bruce Beresford signed on to be the film's director. So this thing had a whole lot of weight behind it. And then they were like, let's just make it Hollywood. And it, you know, they had the idea in 88, 91, you know, the guy director. In 1992, producer Cameron McIntosh announced that the film would be co-produced by TriStar Pictures. However, the film was abandoned. In 2005, 13 years later, Macintosh later confirmed that interest in turning the musical into a film adaptation had resumed during the early months of that year. Macintosh said that he wanted the film to be directed by, quote, someone who has a vision for the show that will put the show's original team, including Macintosh, back to work, end quote. He also said that he wanted the film's audiences to make it fresh as the actual show. Now, mind you, the actual show has been running for about 12 years and it's not losing steam. No, um, <laughs> I remember seeing billboards and people talking about this everywhere. Yeah. And like, you're going to see Hollywood salivating. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, give me the money. Yeah. Just give me that money. Bring me that paper. Uh, in 2009, producer Eric Fellner began negotiations with Macintosh to acquire the film's rights and concluded it near the end of 2011. Fellner, Tim Bevan, and Deborah Hayward engaged William Nicholson to write a screenplay for the film. Nicholson wrote the draft within six weeks' time. Which makes sense. It was the same script. Yeah. Um... So is this what happened after blank check? The kid grew up. Mr. McIntosh is now this. He's now this guy. Yeah. That's all sure. I can think about. Mr. McIntosh. <laughs> but, like a 20, 30 year old or like a 30 year old hitting on a eight yeah. year old billionaire. <laughs> and, and now he's produced. No, this. now he's producing this magical film experience. Yeah. Uh, the movie was announced on a DVD Blu-ray release of the 25th anniversary concert. It wasn't in the papers. It was on a DVD, one of those things you're like, you know, 
this is the PBS show and we're trying to get callers. If you'd like to buy this entire show, one of those, that's where it was announced. Thank you for tuning into public television. (laughs) Now for a breaking news announcement. If you want to see more shows like this in the future, please call in and make sure you give us a solid donation. We'd appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Because we've got some wonderful things down the way. Okay, pre-prod. In March 2011, director Tom Hooper began negotiations to direct Les Mis from the screenplay by William Nicholson. Production of the film officially began in June that year with Cameron McIntosh and working title films co-producing. Having already produced Hooper, approached Hooper prior to production with the desire of playing Jean Valjean, Hugh Jackman began negotiations to star in the film alongside Paul Bettany as Javert. What? What? The Vision from Marvel. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Other stars who became attached to the project included Hathaway and Helena Bonham Bonham Carter. In September 2011, Jackman was cast as Jean Valjean, and Russell Crowe was cast as Javert. I think a better choice. I think so also, but the Javert I remember was not a stout man. He was a a tall, thin man. um, Yeah, so for me, I'm I'm looking at Paul Bettany going... Would Paul Bettany have the singing yeah. range, though? How would he fare with Javert's stage character? Because uh, if it's anything like Russell Crowe, I don't see him like that. I've never seen Paul Bettany play a character like Javert before, so I don't see it. Yeah. He has his body, but that's about it. Yeah, I did just rewatch The Night's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> What a movie. In September 11, uh, 2011, Jackman was cast as Jean Valjean, Russell Crowe Javert. The following month, McIntosh confirmed that Fantine would be played by Hathaway. Before Hathaway was cast, Amy Adams... Jessica Biel, Tammy Blanchard, Kristen Kruick, and Marianne Cotillard, Kate Winslet, and Rebecca Hall were also considered for the part. I couldn't see anybody but Hathaway doing it. I can't either. Like and even, even then, yeah. I like couldn't believe my eyes what she was doing. I didn't know she had that in her. Yeah, she earned her Oscar. Oh, my God. Uh, For the role, Hathaway allowed her hair to be cut short on camera for a scene in which the character sells her hair. So that was her actually getting her hair cut, Mm -hmm. uh, stating that the length she goes to for her roles, quote, don't feel like sacrifices. Getting to transform is one of the best parts of acting. The role also required her to lose 25 pounds. Yeah, she was frail. She was quite frail. And I was kind of surprised by in the end when she returns as the spirit, Mm -hmm. she's still that 25 pounds less. Yeah. <laughs> like, you think in heaven she got a meal. No. She got the razzes. In addition to Hathaway's weight loss, Hugh Jackman also lost an extreme amount of weight for the opening scene of Jean Valjean when he is imprisoned in a later labor camp. Really? He looks beefed as f- <laughs> I know. <laughs> he looks like a fucking He's giant. coming off that Wolverine physique. Yeah, for real. He didn't lose shit. <laughs> to achieve an emaciated look, Jackman committed to a minimalistic diet and intense workouts. In an interview with Epics, Jackman revealed that he went on 45-minute morning runs on an empty stomach, which Hathaway later used as a weight loss tactic with Jackman's help, and he went on a 36-hour liquid fast. This allowed him to rapidly lose 10 pounds and cause his cheeks and eyes and cheeks to sink severely. Nice. Fuck makeup. I'll just make it happen. <laughs> hey, you know when you're making $12 million. He had to get bank on this one. I'll do what you need. Yeah. I'll go on those 45-minute runs. I'll go on a month-long water fast. Hey, if I was getting paid Marvel money, I'd do those workouts. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> In November 2011, Eddie Redmayne was cast as Marius Ponmercy, and everybody said, Eddie who? The short list. Yeah, this was <laughs> the first time I ever saw him. Yeah. Uh, the short list of actresses for the role of Eponine included Scarlett Johansson, Leah Michelle, Oh my God, Miley Cyrus, Scarlett, Tamsin, 
No. Tamsin Egerton, Taylor Swift. Get the f*** out of here. And Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, go go do Cats. See how it goes. <laughs> you silly bitch. I see your asshole. Okay. In January 2012, the press reported that the role of Eponine had officially been offered to Taylor Swift. However. Oh, my God. I would have been livid. Swift later stated those reports were not entirely accurate. <laughs> okay, good. I would have been fucking livid. Yes. At the end of the month, Macintosh made a special appearance during the curtain call of the Oliver UK tour at the Palace Theater, Manchester, announcing that the tour's Nancy, Samantha Barks, who had played Eponine in the West End production and in the 25th anniversary concert, would reprise the role in the film. Barks had been auditioning for 15 weeks by that point. She's so hot. Oh my God, she's gorgeous. She's She's so fucking hot. She's so fucking good, too. Yeah. So good. Um, I've always yeah, been like Cosette. Who go for Eponine? <laughs> I know the whole time. Um, yeah, no, I, I remember seeing in your notes on spoiler alert. That's all right. When Eponine dies, oh, um, don't get me started crying was, already. Oh, man. I know it was. You know, in the film, it was like heartfelt, but I, you know, I didn't really have much. Yeah, and it was it was a sad moment. I, I Eponine had totally sold me in her short amount of time, mm-hmm. and then I looked up who the actress was and so I could YouTube like that specific part in the <laughs> that specific part in the play and watch her performance of the play oh my god it is it's so much more powerful <laughs> oh I can't believe they didn't do like near what the stage performance does there was a lot of that yeah where I was sitting there going come on come on pull back Pull back a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. It's okay. Two go. Two grown men crying. It's, we can cry. It's 2022. We can cry. <laughs> My feelings gonna be okay. Originally, an unknown was sought for the role of Cosette with an open casting call in New York City in December 2011. In January 2012, reports surfaced that Amanda Seyfried had been offered the role instead. Eddie Redman confirmed both Seafried's casting and that of Bonham Carter as Madame Thenardier in an interview on January 12th. Hooper confirmed that he would stick to the musical's essentially sung through form and would thus introduce very little additional dialogue. Although they kind of talked through some of the songs, which I was like, oh, don't do that. Sing the song. Sing it. Oh, I'm, I think this was the best musical direction ever. Okay. Wow, yeah. Like, it's so conversational. Yeah. It's so natural. It sells it that much more. I agree. Like, when, oh, my God, when Anne Hathaway is, like, heaving, Uh, trying to get through it, uh, you can't replicate that. You can't just sing through it. Yep, you're right. Uh, Hooper confirmed that the film would not be shot in 3D. Oh, I would love to see just a 3D face the entire fucking three hours. Just nothing but like, you know, close ups, harlot bosom in your face in the beginning, Uh, expressing his opinion that it would not enhance the emotional narrative of the film and would distract audiences from the storytelling. No, it would just be like, why the fuck is this in 3D? (laughs) Okay, this is his face. Oh, the tear. I can almost touch it. (laughs) She's reaching out to me as she dies. (laughs) (laughs) I am Cosette. Oh, 
Okay, following this announcement, reports surfaced in the press that Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat, had begun talks to join the cast as Thenardier and that Aaron Tvet had been cast as Enholrus. Later that month, the press, the press officially confirmed Tvet's casting as Enholrus. Colm Wilkinson and Francis Raffel, and I remember when this was pronounced because I went fucking bananas when they said that they were to be in this. Uh, they were going to appear in the film. Wilkinson played the bishop. Raphael had a cameo as a hoe. George Blagden was cast <laughs> as Grantaire. In an interview with BBC Radio 4's front row, Tom Hooper revealed that Claude Michel Schoenberg will be composing one new song and additional music. And it's the song Suddenly. I couldn't tell you the names of the songs and yeah. how to correlate that, but that's okay. It, I'll take your word for it. it honestly, <clears throat> and again, maybe it's because I'm too close to the material. It feels like it wasn't written at the same time as the rest of this entire play. It feels okay. a, a smidgen different. Doesn't it have some of the same musical themes that you hear that cycle through all these songs? Yes. Oh, when they're in the cart? Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. After he's yeah. gotten Cosette and not he's really singing. A, I mean, I feel like there's kind of a reason. I don't think it was necessary, but you know. Yeah. I, mean, I did just see look up um francis Rafaela. yeah i thought she would have been more of like a more present hoe she's just kind of a side hoe like i don't think she has a speak a single speaking line or a singing line no she doesn't and i'm like what the fuck? i mean she sings she I'm sings sure in the chorus part, part of the chorus yeah but the, yeah. everybody else is but no when um when before she gets her hair cut and mm -hmm. there's that like pimp right behind him yes it's the girl to the left. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like, hey, we put her in the movie. <laughs> I go, I see something. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, I don't have any lines, but I'm here next to this. I'm, I'm a hoe. I'm glad that they kept the cameos at a minimum. For sure. For because sure. my fear was that they were going to be like, okay, we're going to try to get as many of these Broadway people and shoehorn them in here to be able to people go, oh yeah, oh, I know who that oh, is. I know who that oh. is. I didn't realize how young Les Mis was. Oh like, yeah. The play. The play. Yeah. The director also expanded on the performers singing live on set, which he felt would eliminate the need to recapture locked performances and allow more creative freedom. More details of this were confirmed by Eddie Redmayne in an interview. He stated that the cast would sing the piano tricks, uh, tracks via earpiece and that the orchestra would be added in post-production. So as I'm watching this, I'm sitting there going, come on, show me your ear. I want to see it. Oh, I know. Did you CGI it out? Where is it? <laughs> Although the creative team stated this live recording method was unique and a world's first, they lied. Many films had to use this technique before, notably early talkies. Why are we calling them talkies? Didn't we talk about that shit last week? <laughs> when we called talkies because they gave people talking. Yeah, when lip syncing had not been perfected. I don't have to read anymore, I can just listen. In fact, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Evita did it. I don't know that one. That was the Madonna version. Madonna as Evita. Living the Vita Loca? <laughs> Inside, outside? USA? Pardon? And across the universe did it also with the Beatles songs. Oh, they sung live? Yeah. Oh, no wonder I fucking love that musical. When you put your notes in, did you do it while you watched the movie or put them all at the end? What's your process? For me, it was easy to do because the songs, there wasn't a whole lot of to hone in on on the screen. It was just their face. So I was like, yeah. I can not worry about the action going on. I can just type it while I'm watching it. What about you? Um, it was kind of the way this, <clears throat> uh, the way this, the notes were laid out. It was a little difficult to pinpoint which songs were which. Yeah. Um, so I, I did it when I could. Okay. But when a moment had me, the moment had me and I'm not, I'm not surrendering that. Right, right, right. Cause I feel like a lot of these performances deserve your full attention. Oh, absolutely. 
I watched it yesterday. I did half in the morning before school and then half when I got home. And I almost did, I did it like at the logical intermission point. Oh. <laughs> so I had a, a break in the flow. No, I, I, uh, I stopped right after the little kid died. Oh, Gavroche? Gavroche. Okay. I believe. What little people know? All of a twist. <laughs> you, I mean, you always have to have a over-the-top English kid in there. Good to see there's a Cockney exit hanging out in France. Yes, governor. <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, they always just pick a fucking English accent for any foreign anything in U.S. movies. Ro- it's like, Romans, fucking, they're all English. <laughs> could be Russian. Hello, governor. You're right. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's it's just that that point in the movie where there's been so much. I need a break. Yeah, it's ten thirty. I need to do something else because I have another hour to go. Okay, I will admit that as I'm watching in the morning at school, the first half, I took breaks in between songs because I was just like, I can't do this and have to teach in about an hour. No, like I I walk into the other room, like in one of the rooms, and the teacher's like, "What are you doing here?" I was like, "I just need a break because I'm emotionally spent right now." <laughs> <laughs> No, this, this is a first because I put it in the tears counter. Oh, I saw. Any, anytime I teared up, I noted it. <laughs> I, that was a smart move. And uh, let me let me tell you, it starts pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the minute Fontaine shows up, it's like, okay. Oh, I cried before that. Before that? Yeah, before that. Okay, well, let's get into it. Okay, so the first set piece we get is Look Down with the convicts and Jean Valjean. Now, we broke this up into songs first, and I'm going to tell you the little synopsis afterwards, and we're going to kind of decide whether or not these songs really did their job telling the synopsis or not. Because that's kind of the point of the musical, is if you're going to drive it by the music, you better be able to tell the the story proper. Okay, so we get Look Down, which is the convicts, Javert, and Valjean. I remember seeing this in theaters, and the first thing I thought was, oh, they made a movie. Yeah. When you see the docks and they're pulling oh, the they're ship pulling in. The ship and in. that poor son of a bitch in front of Hugh Jackman just getting <laughs> wailed with waves. Just one after the next. Yes. This did exactly what I thought the movie should do, which is broaden the scope beyond the stage. Yeah. If you're going to make a movie on a musical, then movie the musical. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I was happy. And then Russell Crowe opened his mouth and I went, no, what'd you do? Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that was when I realized I'm watching actors. I'm not watching Broadway singers. To that argument, I would yes. say you're watching a ton of actors who are Broadway actors and singers, but a few aren't. Yes. Russell Crowe is one of them. Russell Crowe <laughs> and I will say fucking Eddie are not these two. And I have a thing about Eddie that bothers me the most, which is that sometimes I feel like he can't decide whether he's going to focus on the acting or focus on the singing because he never does both at the same time. <laughs> and he doesn't do one of those well. <laughs> he always sounds and he's in his throat. Yes, and you notice whenever he sings, he's bobbing his head to make the oh, vibrato yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I'm sorry. And, and honestly, he's, such, he's a great actor, just not in this f***ing movie. And Amanda Seyfried, I wasn't exactly impressed with her singing either, but maybe it's because I just saw... Anne Hathaway kill it. I I felt like it was the same thing with um, like you needed a soprano, and you got oh my god, what was Sweeney Todd's daughter's name? Oh Jesus! Um, it was the same thing for me. Like I just it was like okay, they're just the Sopranos. They're just there. Yeah, I don't care about you. And then the new West Side Story. You know what that means? Know what that yeah. means? He's so free. Someone's a Broadway singer. No. Follow to the left of your itinerary. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the same thing with the West, the new West Side Story. Um, it was beautifully shot, but my biggest problem was the fucking two people they got as the main characters. Yeah, yeah. They weren't great. They were just like, okay, there's a fucking soprano. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with West Side Story. Like, I have yet to see like a soprano that's impressed me just because, okay, well, you're just the soprano. But you don't offer me anything. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, I thought... Was she a great Cosette? Sure. Maybe. I don't know. I've never seen the play. Honestly, she didn't bring she, a much to the play. She's got she's got, a, she's got a much more, I guess, epic part on the stage play. Okay. But there's a lot of minimalizing that happens in this, which I didn't understand the choices of. Okay. We also get a shot of Valjean after he's left. He's walking across the mountain. I'm thinking they're going, Batman. Batman begins. I've seen this. <laughs> um, I, just, I just gotta say this this opening Ugh. is unfucking believable. It's beautiful. It is unfucking believable. Yeah. You are just aghast at just the scope, what they accomplished. It, it and the painting. CGI is seamless compared to the practical effects of the Oh moment. my god, it's amazing. Yeah. They um, had to kill that opening scene, otherwise they would have lost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's gorgeous. I, you know, we're gonna bring it up, but yeah, Russell Crowe. Sometimes, you know, you should have pre recorded those vocals it, it, with it may, another vocalist. May have helped. Just ADR him. Just something. Yeah. Then we get the song with the bishop. Uh, and immediately when I hear the bishop's voice, I know exact. I know who exactly it is. I'm like, that's Cole. That's it right there. Because you see his shadow in first. And I'm like, that's who it is. I hear him now. It's hard to miss as a fan. And then you get Valjean's soliloquy, uh, which is, you know, him basically, you know, saying, okay, well, I'm going to pursue a life of honesty now. And I love the fact that this was not 80-yard. Because no, you can't. I like... That's my whole thing. Like, yeah. and it'll happen with um, Fontaine. Fontaine. Like the, the smartest thing this director could have done with this mus musical 
is have them live sing. Yep. There's just, you feel every word. And Hugh Jackman is such a fucking massive talent. Oh, he is. Like, I've seen some of his stage plays mm-hmm. on recordings. Okay. Because he's so fucking good. He'll make me cry. He's famous for the music, man, isn't he? The music man, but he did Sleeping Beauty. Like, he's done a bunch of- Greatest show on earth. Greatest show on earth. Yeah. He will make me tear up on a YouTube video recording of a Broadway play. Okay. Like, he's that fucking good. Yeah. He's got a great voice. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Guys that good looking should not be that talented. Guys, (laughs) I I literally just had this fucking thought yesterday. I was like, how the does one dude look this good, sing this well, dance so great, and act his fucking ass off? And he can dance. He's nimble. With all yes. that adamantium in his body, you'd think he'd be way down. For real. <laughs> I mean, dude's invincible. Yeah, the first tears. That's your first tears right his there? first tears. When he is running, when he's ripping the, the pardon papers. Yes. Pulling off the cliff with the church. I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> yeah, that's tears. It's it's, it's so, so powerful. powerful. <laughs> it's so powerful. And for those that don't know, I can cry at anything. I, well, it's okay. You know, real men cry. Exactly. Uh, so this whole thing basically just says, in 1815 French, convict Jean Valjean is released on parole by prison guard Javert after serving a 19-year sentence for stealing a loaf of bread as well as repeated escape event attempts. After several months of drifting around France, Valjean is offered food and shelter by the Bishop of Dean, but steals his silver during the night. He is caught by the authorities, but the bishop lies by saying that the silver was given as a gift and secures Valjean's release. Touched by the bishop's love, grace, and generosity, Valjean breaks his parole and vows to start an honest life, which is funny because he broke parole under a new identity javert swears he will bring the escaped convict to justice do you feel like those three songs did it i do i do yes i Um, get exactly what's going on now i will question the uh the aging process of this movie well there's a problem there too yeah because if you didn't look it up (laughs) the average life expectancy of somebody in france yeah in 1815 to 1830 was 30 years old that's young (laughs) <laughs> that was the average life expectancy, 30 years. That's young. <laughs> okay, so now we're at the next part, and we get At the End of the Day, the song At the End of the Day. Uh, this is definitely a broader scope. This is the poor, the foreman, the workers, the factory women. This is basically just setting the scene for now Valjean is the mayor, and he has a factory, and he's in charge of this factory. Uh this is a broader scope cinematically. It's a very condensed portion of the city on the stage. So when they were going all over the place, I was like, okay, they're making this bigger and bigger. This is interesting. Uh, it was really smart because they started so small because it was just the hallway. Yes. It was just that hallway, but it felt so appropriate. It just was It was so simple, but it landed the message. Here's the poor, mm-hmm. and then here are the people on the horses. Yes. These people are disgusting, filthy pieces of garbage. Mm. These are the better. The better people. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's, so they show all the factory women and then there's Anne Hathaway. And I'm like, you stick, you stick out. (laughs) 100%. You're you're hot. (laughs) Babe, you're going places. Yeah. Your teeth are your teeth are much better than others. <laughs> oh, you got all your teeth, don't you? Well, at least right now she does. Oh, oh, when they gave her the little dental thing later. 
I don't know how I feel about the way the songs are broken up into moments where they are more speak singing. I don't know how I feel about that. I know that you said it was a smart move. It flows to me okay. without knowing what the original is. Yeah. It flows very well like a movie, but with musical dialogue. Yes. And I think if you're going to make this different from the stage play and you, I mean, a movie does have to have dialogue that you know you would expect in a movie. And I thought that that did a good job here in that way. But I was conflicted because I was like, but you're losing the melody of the moment or the rhythm of the moment sometimes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know because I don't know the songs. Yeah. Um, The only thing I would say is about this particular section of the film is Mm -hmm. I don't get why the bitches in the factory throw her out so quick. Are they just jealous? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the foreman's all about her. The assumption by the ladies, because she's so beautiful, is that that's what's happening. So they're all jealous, and they're all bitchy, and then they find out she's got a kid. So they're wondering where- doesn't look good, because where's the husband? So now they're wondering, where's all the extra money coming from? Well, she must be hoeing herself out. What business is it of yours, you bunch of bitches? bitches. <laughs> and I mean that universally because the foreman is acting like a little bitch too. Oh, absolutely. He needs a good f-ing crack in the head. Yeah. So this whole piece is a young woman named Fantine, one of his workers, is discovered to be sending money to her illegitimate daughter, daughter Cosette, who lives with the unscrupulous Thenardiers and their daughter Eponine. And it's dismissed by the foreman. Left with no alternative, Fontaine turns to prostitution. During an argument with an abusive customer, Javert, now a police inspector, arrests Fontaine, but Valjean intercedes and takes her to a hospital where she is diagnosed with a terminal case of tuberculosis. They really don't say that. Have we gone over the other songs? We're going to go over them right now. Yeah, but I felt like because we keep asking, like, what's happening in this moment, I want to throw that in there. Okay, I think that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, The Docs, we get the Docs, the lovely lady song, which is the. It's a song about banging whores. It's about, yeah, it's all about banging whores. And it's, these are the filthiest women I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I wouldn't um, poke any of them with my worst enemy's dick. That's like, that's like when... Um, <clears throat> I'm itching watching it. Sasha Baron Cohen's character is talking about the the son of a whore. <laughs> and she like grabs her booze and goes, Oh, no. Not, no. No. <laughs> no, not even... If you paid me. Yeah. Uh, um, selling your hair, selling your... T- when they pull the tooth out, I was like, oh. How quickly... This is like... <laughs> this is the roller coaster of how quick you can f***ing <laughs> fall yep. from innocence. Um, I love the melody of this song. It just sounds like... It, it's like she's going through hell and the demons are singing with it. It's like sinister and like witchy and like, come now, come now, join us. You don't really have a choice. Take them as they come. <laughs> Leaders of the land. <laughs> with their trousers down, they're never quite as grand. <laughs> and then... Here we go. Here we go. I dreamed tears. a dream by Fantine. Not only ugh, this tears. This is this is tears number two. You could have stopped the movie here and you've been fine. Yeah, you could have stopped the movie here. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Oscar. This Oscar. is the greatest movie of all it's time. Over. It's, it's over. over. It's the greatest performance ever. 
And realistically, I mean, when you read the book by Victor Hugo, it's broken up into three or four stories. And the first story is Fontaine. So oh, if you okay. read it and you read it just that one chapter, you're like, that was a full story right there that you've just told. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, this is one of the five iconic songs in this show and this movie. This is the for your consideration moment of the movie. Uh, Every good musical on the screen needs it. It needs five showstoppers. And this is showstopper number one. One, two, three, four, and five. And unfortunately, this movie has a lot of showstoppers. <sighs> it's got Who Am I? It's got Master of the House. It has stars. It has yeah. On My Own. It has One Day More. Do you hear the people sing and bring him home? Which is why this musical is so amazing. It never stops. It has few, few weak songs. And you know what? We said this last time. Rocky Horror Picture Show had five big songs. Yeah. Little Shop of Horrors, at least five big songs. Fiddler on the Roof has like eight or nine. Uh, it's just good ones have it. Newsies, I can name one or two. That's why it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Anne Hathaway just nails this. I, and in fact, the this isn't this isn't the part actually. Like I welled up here and I thought I was okay, and then I forgot about when she passes away. That's where the waterfall came. That's where I lost. This it. this was this was. Welling up. She's so beautiful. Oh, she is. Even, even all beat up to shit. Well, I'm in her voice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes. But yes. Let's see. Let's get to the part where she just wrenched I, her like, soul I didn't out. I know she had this in her. Life has killed the dream. I dream. Shit. Ah. <laughs> I just got goosebumps. <laughs> oh. Is this her peak performance? Unless she does something later. I think this is the greatest performance she has so far. This is the best it'll get for her. It is. And honestly, it's a hell of a peak. Well, I like to do the Homer Simpson thing. The best of her career. <laughs> so far. So far. <laughs> uh, and then we get Fontaine's arrest, where she's arrested now. And yep. I'll be honest with you, I like Russell Crowe singing in this song because he stays in his range. Yeah, it works. Yes. And he's also there for like two seconds. Right. But he stays in his range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> then we get to the fact that, okay, so we get the song Who Am I, which is Valjean, and this is when he finds out that another man has been arrested by Javert because Javert thinks it's Jean Valjean. Yep. Like, right now, Javert has no idea that's Jean Valjean. He just goes, that's the mayor, because this takes place eight years later. He's forgotten his face. Plus, the last time he saw him, he was 25 pounds less, apparently. I don't know where. In eight years. In his pants. <laughs> and also eight years younger because it's been eight years since yes. he left. Right. Uh, this is a great. How old is Jean Valjean now? Well, you fi okay? So he was nineteen years in prison. <laughs> Already, he's past the point of death and yes, yeah. uh, nineteen years in prison because his sister, he's because his sister kid was starving. Yep, and he stole a loaf of bread. Yeah, so sister's probably a similar age. She's probably dead. Yeah. I mean, we never see her. So let's say he was 10. Okay. No, because then she was like 11. That doesn't work. She didn't have a kid at 11. Okay. 
uh, 13. Let's just say 13 for this time period. 13. Okay. So he's 12, 11, maybe 10. Young. Okay. So 19, 29. 29. 8. We're at 37. So he's 37 now. He's in the bonus round in France. He's in the bonus round. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah, dude. So he's 37 now. Yes. Jean-Pajan probably, or uh, Javert, probably same age. Uh, I would say so, yeah. That doesn't make sense, though, because he'd be older, because he has been putting his thumb down on Jean Valjean for 19 years. Well, he may have just been doing it the last 10 years. Mm, okay. You know, we really don't know the length, uh, for the length of time that he's known Jean Valjean. I'm really reading into a musical right now. You're really digging deep, man. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have the answers on this one. I just go, they just sing good. <laughs> Except Mr. Crow. Uh, yes. Uh, now, it should be noted that in the play, when he sings Who Am I, this whole song is taking place during the court case. He's standing in the back of the court. He's in the back of the courtroom as this is going on, and the spotlight goes on him because you can just see the wretchedness on his face. And he begins to sing this whole thing, and it makes sense within the court case. And then when he stands up and he says his name, court case goes. I mean, he stands up in front of the court of everybody, and it just draws everybody's attention to him. So when he says that, "Who am I? I'm Jean Valjean," everybody's like, "What the?" (laughs) You know. Whereas this, it's like, "No, I'm going to say all this stuff." behind the scenes and then burst into the room, which is a movie move. It's a movie move, but I also like it because he's contemplating it in, he's in the church, yeah? Yes. So he's really like struggling with like, okay, here's my ticket to freedom. Mm-hmm. I should probably take it. I thought it was a good adaptation of the moment. Yeah. Have him wrestling it with it in private and then montage it into the, the courtroom. I thought yeah. it was- And did they just dismiss it in the, the show? Because in in the movie, they're like, oh, Monsieur Lemieux, you are crazy. Well, he is- No, not what you're talking about. Well, no, he says that, and then he escapes out of there. Oh, so he says it, and then he runs. Yes. Um, Okay, so that's different. Yeah, Valjean learns that the man to be- uh, Unable to condemn an innocent man, Valjean reveals his identity to the court before departing for the hospital. So he runs to the hospital because Fantine's there. Yeah. And he promises her that he's going to look after her daughter. Uh, and Fantine dies. And we get Fantine's death, which when she reaches for Cosette. And she's in the veil. And she's reaching into my heart and ripping it out. <laughs> that yeah. was tears number two for me. <laughs> I just saw Princess Mia die a whore. Oh. Oh. That's a deep cut for Princess Diaries fans. It was, yeah, that was, that was waterfalls. Yeah. I don't remember. And I only fucking knew the character for what? Half an hour. Exactly. That's waterfalls. Um, rarely like I'll well up. Rarely will I have tears fall down my mm -hmm. face. No, I, I, I was, I didn't realize how much it was going to hit me because I did not listen to the original soundtrack beforehand. Because mm. I was like, I don't want to go in there with my preconceived notions. I want to go in because it's been a while since I listened to the original soundtrack. Okay. And just Hathaway's performance, I was just like, this is going to carry me through the rest of the film. Like, if that's where it is at, at minute 20, I'm ready for the rest. Yep. Um, and then Mr. Timing shows up, Javert. <laughs> this guy just shows up at the worst times imaginable. I'm like, dude, who fucking raped you in the dirt <laughs> in prison? We're having a fucking moment. 
I just watched <laughs> Princess Mia die. I'm have. I need a second. It's. I like. And he's you, so quick to draw the sword. I love how you keep calling her Princess Mia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dude, I had a crush on Princess Mia. Did you? Oh my god. What a. Are you kidding me? I. I. It was be. I was too old at that point oh, okay. for Princess Diaries. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, for me, I was sitting there going, Julie Andrews, damn. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. And then, so, <laughs> Fantine dies. Javert arrives at the hospital and attempts to arrest Valjean. And this is like energy. They, they brought some energy to the set piece now. Yeah, which is, it's you know, there, there are a couple moments where um, the right thing happens after a couple sections of, like, misery or emotion. It's the right thing. Yeah. Just the right time. This was cut. You can hear the sounds in the background. It's a beautiful duet. It is, and I love that. <laughs> I love that. Fucking Jean Valjean is like a like a fucking wooden beam in yes. his hand <laughs> compared to like his little sword. Yeah. He bring he Javert pulls his sword out and Jean Valjean's like, um, I have this post holding up this hospital. I've been known for lifting wood. I guess I'll use this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is it, it's the, their dynamic together has to work for this whole thing to work. And although I have a problem with Crow singing, his he acting works. His acting this. works with Jackman, one hundred percent. Yes. Um, and then. We he escapes to go find a Cosette. Yep. And we get another showstopper song, Castle on a Cloud. Uh beautiful innocent song. And we also learn at this moment that Eponine is the actual daughter of the innkeepers. And Cosette's just yeah. the burden. Mm-hmm. Which Marius, y- you got Eponine right there. She's she right there. She's right there. <laughs> and and you got some great con man parents out of it too. <laughs> <laughs> the these two. Oh man! If the, if these two weren't what we're talking about, master a, of the house already. So fucking, this, uh, yeah, let's just. Let's get, I'm like, okay, cool. Castle in the house. It's great. I don't know if it's a showstopper. Great intro to a kid. Yeah. Great kid song. Master of the house. Helen Bottom Carter. Yes. Makes everything and everyone better. I can't disagree. I mean, everything she does, I enjoy. She is. A one of a kind. Absolutely. And I wish I knew her. I mean, she here's the thing. <laughs> she's Sasha Bear Cohen. Can we say that Helena Bonacartum Carter plays dirty so beautifully? Oh yes. <laughs> like she's always the filthiest, quirkiest oh. character, but you're like, I'd hit that. That's a crazy kind of love right there. <laughs> Owner of the pie shop. Bellatrix Lestrange. <laughs> uh uh Fight Club. Oh. <laughs> Fight. <laughs> club <laughs> oh yeah there's something Lestrange about Lestrange she is <laughs> no I love her so much yeah she does so well for this movie and in this movie but also her co Sasha Baron Cohen absolutely fucking destroys I could Spot have on. a fucking movie of these two mm-hmm. and I would give all my money <laughs> Just it, their little antics. 
When I first heard this soundtrack, this was my favorite song, Master of the House. Yeah. Because I, I understand. It's so it's humorous. It's so humorous, but it's also catchy. It's such a good song. Yeah. And if you've ever heard the original, it's even funnier. Oh, sick. Because, you know. This when, one's dirty. Oh, this is dirt. The, the original is the same. <laughs> the original is, it's the same, but there's less of like when she, when uh, what's her name Helena Bottom Cart when the madam is singing her part and she's kind of sitting on the guy's lap and doing it very coyly. Oh yeah. In the in the actual play, she's addressing the entire bar as a toast, <laughs> and her point there is to basically just be like, "He's a dick. I'm the one in charge." Yeah. And in this, I was like, "This is a good little twist that they did to make it a little bit different because uh -huh. they are con people. Let her be the one that's kind of like, hey, I know I look like a fruit fly, but you know, you want to hit this? I'm gonna steal your watch." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is hysterical. This and what you love about this is that it's not just like. There are twists to this, and I don't remember this in the play, but I remember it in this, and that is every time Sasha Baron Cohen mentions Cosette, he calls her Colette. Colette. <laughs> yeah. And it's a running joke through the whole oh, thing. Oh, it's fantastic. He says Colette, and the wife will go, Cosette. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, he was perfectly cast for this. And I remember when he was cast, because I was like, yeah, he'll work. Yeah. He'll work. He's such a weirdo. He is. In the best way possible. I'm trying to think what movie he was off of before this. It, he may have done... Talladega Nights. Well... Or Sweeney Todd. Let's Wait, look. Sweeney Todd was after this. I think. Uh, no, Sweeney Todd was in high school. This was after. So Borat was 2006. Okay. Okay, so he did Bruno in 2009. Then oh, he shit. Then he did... He was in Hugo as the station inspector. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah. Super overrated. I thought so also. Uh, he he did The Dictator right beforehand. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yes, he did The Dictator right beforehand. And then he did a voice for Julian, King Julian in Madagascar. Oh, King Julian, yes. Yeah. What, when, when did Sweeney Todd come out? Wait, was he in Sweeney Todd? Yeah. Who was he in Sweeney Todd? He was the uh, the apprentice. He did the- There's he, Talladega. I don't see his, I don't see him as- he doesn't have it as a credit on here. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the guy who's shaving people, and it's the contest. Oh, I see it. That was two thousand seven. It was right after Borat. Okay, I thought. Okay, Sweeney yeah. Todd was before. That's right. Okay. Yeah, it was after Borat, which and before Bruno. But we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a Disney joke. It's an Encanto joke. Oh, I haven't watched it. There's middle schoolers laughing right now as I say that. Oh, great. Great middle schoolers. I make that joke about, the, about that shit all the time. I stuff all Is the it time. good? So let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, we get the well scene, which is Valjean approaching young Cosette. And honestly, this is a creepy scene out of context. So yeah, old man approaches young girl at the woods. This, nothing bad can come from this. Uh, we get the bargain, which is when Valjean is basically trying to say, yeah, I'll take Cosette off your hands. And they're like, we're going to need some extra cash. <laughs> <laughs> but she was so ill for so long. Yeah. Um, and I love the gasp that Carter gives the, after Valjean says her oh, mother's yeah. with God. Because it's not about sympathy. It's because no. she knows they ain't getting any more money. <laughs> yeah. It was perfect. It's great. Uh, I wonder if that was her or the director i it had to be her that that was an actor's choice right okay. there 
Um, and then we get the Waltz of Treachery. He calls her Colette. <laughs> the, <laughs> the look on Valjean's face as he knows he's being swindled is priceless. Oh, yeah. And uh, the days when you could buy children in the state wouldn't care. <laughs> Has it changed? Uh, no, now we get the song Suddenly. Uh, this song is not in the Broadway play. And I don't know if I like the song because the play is so much a part of my DNA. doesn't feel necessary. And I know that he said he put it in there because he wanted to have Valjean talking about how his life is going to change with this daughter. That's oh. my response. Oh, okay. It was like, I've never seen the show, but I like that this shows the beginning of the relationship and the fear that comes with like the responsibility of being a father and his transition mm -hmm. from running from his past and all this to this next chapter of yeah. being a, a father. Okay. So I appreciate it, but you don't need it. Yeah. I mean, do you remember the song? No. Yeah, it, it's kind of forgettable because you're almost feeling like this is my get a beer moment. Yeah, but I also feel like this was a song with a transition into the the, the North Gate. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Whatever gate it was. Uh, we go to the convent and uh, Javert just shows up everywhere. They make it seem like Paris is a block and a half. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like of all the gates... You can leave right. Paris. He's there <laughs> at the one. Yeah. It's like the barricade when they pan out and you're like, you know, there's other streets that get to that spot. You're like, there's, there's, <laughs> it's all around. You right. Know. It's not the only street, you know. You're, uh, you're like at the five points and you blocked off one. And then we get the song Stars, which is a showstopper mm. when it's sung right. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is my favorite song to sing on my own. Mm. Uh, if there's any song I can sing randomly on my own, it is this one. I can hit all the notes and every inflection perfectly. Russell Crowe would be my bitch if we went side by side on this one. <laughs> Russell's version is fucking awful and it ruins the gravitas of the moment. That being said, <laughs> the way this is shot is interesting because it's without the spotlight. There's specifically a shot where he is singing in front of an eagle that yeah. just seems so perfect for the character of who Javert is. And they do a great job of making him a sympathetic character here. Whereas in the, in the show, when he's on his own on the stage, the hero is always alone on the stage. A villain never gets their own song that early. Yeah. And you, as soon as he's done singing, you're in, you buy in. And when he yeah. hits that high note at the end, when Russell Crowe hits it, it's like, uh, we're almost there. <laughs> We're almost there. Like, I'm rooting you on now, Crow. I'm rooting you on. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be a problem with me. Because, you. I mean, you mentioned it's a showstopper. Yes. I don't get that impression from this. Right, right. And I still think he's a fucking asshole. And, and I'm not rooting for him because I think he's a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm missing. Because I don't have... Because I, because I remember your favorite character was... Um, Javert mm -hmm. and I was like why and I couldn't understand it but I haven't seen the play yeah so I don't know because all I have is he's just a villain that has some songs yeah and he just can't fucking let go of things well that's the thing is he's one of the miserable yeah he actually says early, later on in the play that you don't know anything about me I came from crap also and that's something that's completely glossed over and here he is he's he's gone through the ranks to this point and he's being just shit on because this Jean Valjean just keeps escaping the guy. And he's like, I'm never going to win. And you want him to win at some point, but you're going, 
Jean Valjean. Come on. Find another guy. Yeah. <laughs> Find anybody else. Yeah. But this is this is his ending for stars. Now, here's what I'm used to hearing. Oh, yay. yay. So you're, you're going to get the other one now. It's okay. a different I was belting. I was expecting something different, but it's okay. a different belting. It's okay. not compressed sound like you would hear in a movie. Okay. And that's a big issue because sometimes when you have do you hear the people sing, you want to hear the volume engulf you. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't unfortunately you can't do that with a movie recorded. With a movie audio. soundtrack. Yeah. Um okay. So Valjean escapes, finds Cazette at the Thenardiers. He bribes the couple. We covered all that. Okay, so we're good there. So now we go to Paris. As if we weren't there already. Paris, and we get the song, Look Down, and and we get Gavroche. I hate this fucking kid. I cannot wait for a bull to solve this problem. Hello, you do. My name's Gavroche. I love this kid. <laughs> you can go f yourself. There we go. <laughs> What do you like about this little brat? Oh, come on. Where are you? I know you're there. You just insulted him, right? You know? I do you do my He's on the people. He's my patch. I'm a cockney living in France. <laughs> yeah, I don't get the choice. I like the kids. Me school. This is the most. Okay, this is the most U.S. thing to do. <laughs> we go. Oh, we should probably get a kid with a French accent. Go. Fuck you. Give me somebody from Cockney. And I, here's the thing. As much as I hate him, he sounds identical to the Broadway. It's the same damn thing. It's the same thing. He, he kills the performance. I hate the character, but he kills it. Damn right. He does. I can't say no. And, you know, but, but what I also love is that I'm watching this now in the the larger scope of what it looks like off of a stage. It's just Generation Z causing issues at this point. That's all it is. We have a problem. We're going to do a protest now. It's like, that's cute. Every Look at the size of your protest compared to everything else going on around you. Everybody. No, you can't just put on Generation Z and protest anymore. Every generation did their own version of protesting but here's the thing when it's on a condensed stage it looks larger when it's in a movie and you're making it look larger they made it look so small well yeah because you have the scale of an actual city right and so the oh, magnitude of what, what you, it means what to the story okay, that's what you're saying yeah the magnitude it. of what it means oh, to the story okay. is I'm, minimalized I'm following now yeah and then we meet Eponine hottest woman in France uh. What a babe. And an afterthought to everyone around her for some reason, which is total bullshit. <laughs> you deserve better, Eponine. Absolutely you do. Samantha Barks, I love you. You are the best. I love you and your three-inch waist that's in this movie. 
No, how can she say and breathe? I have no idea how she pulled it. I was like, is that CGI? Right? <laughs> now, uh, if you ever want to come on the podcast, let us know. Samantha, you're more than welcome. <laughs> any any movie you, you want, even if it's for performance. If you want to re- review an album, don't care. Just just come talk on the microphone for just, us. Just know my address. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nine, so this is all taking place nine years later in June of 1833. Okay, uh, so nine years later, 46. <laughs> Just keep doing the age counter. Yeah, 46. Uh, Lamarck, the only government official sympathetic toward the poor, was nearing death. Students Marius and Enholras, together with the st- street urchin Gavroche, discussed fomenting a revolution to overthrow the government. Yeah, a couple of college kids and some kid. Okay, later Marius catches a glimpse of Cosette, now a young woman, and Romeo and Juliet begins. We get the robbery, where they're going to rob Jean Valjean. The Thenardier shows up, Mm -hmm. and Eponine is supposed to be the watch girl. She's like, yeah, I kind of like Marius, so don't f*** this up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And again, highly coincidental meeting. Again, how small is France? You know... We got to squ- we got to squinch it down to how large is Paris? Yeah. Paris is fucking massive. A little bit. Yeah. And this is like and, a this is like a suburb of it. <laughs> yeah. And to the point, you know, when we go into Javert's invention, mm-hmm. if you're trying to run away from the law, man, don't you want to stay out of the same neighborhood? You would consider it. That's what I think. But here's what I wonder. If it's all like, if they're all in the same area, why is it taking nine years for Javert to find this guy again? Right. How good of an inspector is he? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless, you know, he moved to a, the different side of the city. And Javert was like, yo, I'm tired of looking for this dude. Yeah. I'm going to go to the other side of the city. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, the show must go on. Javert's intervention, we get Javert, and this is where Thenardier calls Cosette Collette again. Uh, Crow's good here. He stays in his vocal range. Yep. We get Eponine's error. This is where Marius sends Eponine to pass a note to Cosette. And I'm just like, stop using her as your delivery bird. You haven't picked up on this shit yet. And I'm like, <laughs> Eponine, you deserve better. Yes. Why are you helping this dude? Get with this chick. That's not you. I don't get what the appeal for Eddie Redmayne is. <laughs> I don't either. I'm right here in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> then we get a, a red and black. Yeah, we do at the ABC Cafe. <laughs> we, uh, we do. We young get people getting all riled up, ready to die. I love him making fun of Marius as a love struck fever. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. Yeah. It, I love the fact that they have this song and it juxtaposes war and love. Okay. I thought that was a cool idea. And Eddie Redmayne, look, I buy you as Marius. You, I thought I'm he saw. You, I'm glad you do. I thought he sang better than I than I thought he was going to. But in this one, he's giving more effort into his singing than his acting. That uh, is. Hit me with what you got to say. It's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I didn't make the this. Play. Is this I didn't is my cast least <laughs> favorite fucking song? This song does nothing for me. Um, you know who would have been a better Marius? Now that I think about it, Ryan Gosling. Fuck yeah, he would have been a great Marius. 
Although he's got the nasal, he can't really he's, do. Yeah, the, he's got the really low. Yeah, he talks like this ghostly voice singing as well. Yeah. Um. No, I honestly thought, uh, and I, I I note his name somewhere in here, but the blonde headed ruler of the uh, or the leader and of Holros. the Yeah, uh, they should have switched. I agree. As soon as I walked out of the theater, yes, they should have switched characters. Oh, you're right. They should have. Yeah, like they would have been way better switched. He would have. I love the other guy. The other guy sang great. He sang great. And he's like, oh, okay. He's handsome. He could beat this guy. Yeah. The other dude. Sure. He's the leader. Okay. <laughs> great. Nobody gives. A f- Eddie just does not do it for me in this movie. No. And he's in it so much that it's like, I don't care for you anymore please get shot and it i think at this point we need to talk about the headshot camera yeah there's two so here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing about broadway magic because <laughs> it's all magic baby hit me with it it's all magic you have the performance in the character expressing these feelings emotions through song or dialogue in the setting which fuels the fire of the words being spoken and the performance being acted. Yes. When it's just an up-close, personal view, I just see the actor. (laughs) I don't get any of the context, the setting, the mood, the theme, the background. I just get their face. Yeah. And it doesn't it works in some cases. In Fantine's case, it worked because she is alone. She is alone. She's in this rundown like ship in like almost a coffin. You're almost claustrophobic. And that's her feeling. Right. <coughs> but there's other times when they have to pan back and show you what that is in the context of the moment. That's what I think. Yeah. And they miss out. I think he was so focused on this, this, uh, I don't want to say camera trick, but. Well, it was the, this trope. the singing live. Yes. Like, oh, we have to see them sing live. It's like, no, you can, you can do that. Yeah. But you can also show me what's going on. Yeah. I think once you've done it once with the character initially, then you don't need to do it again. Uh, then you can, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you've proved that this person's singing. We get it. Now let's go back. It's part of the part. Well, at least for part of me, the the magic of um, musicals, and I can uh, and I'll take Master of the House for mm. instance. Yeah, is when they're singing and they're in this house mm-hmm. or the bar, or the brothel, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah, it's a there's so many things going on. And, oh yeah, but it, it my focus is on the actors, mm-hmm. but it gives me so much more. Yeah knowing that I'm here in this like I'm in the room yes I'm not just looking at your face I'm I'm there yeah that one's things are happening in my peripherals that's a masterful camera shot that they do with master of the house where they are you're following their actions you're not just on their faces yeah just some thoughts (laughs) (laughs) uh okay now we go to uh in my life which is a four-way song Cosette Valjean Marius and Eponine so 
in my life, four perspectives, one song. You got Cosette with her feelings for Marius and her father not telling her everything about his past for some reason. You get Valjean wanting to tell Cosette about her mother in his past, and he doesn't want to. You get Marius motivated by love to meet Cosette, and you got Eponine, who for God's sakes, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> motivated by her secret love for Marius, but not wanting to ruin her friendship, putting her in a torturous position, especially when she sings the line, every word that he says is a dagger in me. And I'm just like, God, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, this this uh, on my own cuts so deep. Oh, <laughs> that's that's tears number four. Well, we'll get there. This is in my life. I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, don't, don't get me started. I'm, I'm so don't sorry. don't get me worked up yet. Well, I can just say. Meanwhile, despite Cosette's questioning, Valjean refuses to tell her about his past or anything about her late mother Fantine. But you have something there. You say Valjean donate. Yeah, Valjean, whatever that whatever that uh, skincare routine is. Yeah. Let me know cuz dude, you don't age. A little bit of French money will do a, go a long way. Looking great. Yeah. Epony is such a babe. Oh. So hot. I just why are you helping your love interest with another girl? But also, is it Oh. 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 There we go. <laughs> um, I find it a bit creepy that a stranger you saw in the market is now outside your house. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit fast. It's a bit real quick. But I also think it's strange that Cosette clearly is the only cleaned up woman in town. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, she even got them pearly whites. That's quite a white dress she's wearing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Where did Valjean get his money? And also, when Eponine's dad and crew come through and she screams for help, where's her homie? Right. He doesn't care about you. He's all about- I do. He's all about that base. I will love you. <laughs> We're here for you, Panine. <laughs> <laughs> so then they sing A Heart Full of Love, uh, which is when Marius and Cosette are basically singing to each other, and Eponine's on the side just kind of going, uh- he, 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 he was never mine. I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this shit. <laughs> we get the attack on Jean Valjean's house where Eponine is going to warn him. And then everything kind of goes away and we're down to on my own. Okay. Ugh. Let's do this. <laughs> this is my favorite song of the whole play and movie. Okay. This is my favorite one. I weep like a bitch. Every time I hear the song, it hits a chord with me. If you're someone, and everybody's been in this position where you have been friends with someone and they just keep passing you over because you don't have the balls to do it yourself. Because Panine could have said something. She could have said something. You know, she put herself in that position. Um, this scene is as beautiful as it is on the stage. It is well done cinematically. However... They need to pull back from the headshot in this one. Yep. Uh, as the song crescendos, the camera needs to pan back to the add the epicness of the feeling, the how alone she actually is yeah, in this feeling. You only get the the idea that she's walking alone at night on a very open alley. It's kind of like it's, it's the streets. Yeah. But what's cool is that they. 
they do a great job in this of keeping her center stage and then the spotlight gets larger on the screen as it crescendos more and more. As you can oh, see, there's nothing, there's nothing around, around her. Oh. Yeah. And in this, they just stayed on her and I'm like, she's the Broadway act. I know she can sing. I don't no, need no, to be she, proven she's, this. No, she, yeah. Um, um, Samantha Barks. Bravo. Yes. Bravo. This is Tears number four. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crushing performance. The beautiful melody and just a voice to match. Yeah. This and Fantine. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. These these two go head to head and I'm like, I'm on either side. I don't really care. I'll hit the hoe or I'll hit the side piece. Oh my God. <laughs> um, the... She, uh, she got to get some to be the side piece. I'm right here. <laughs> Christ. Okay. So we're making it through this. Oh, yeah. We're no, making it through. We're doing it. Okay. And now we get one day more. And this is in the play. You got everybody that you've been introduced to together. And this is your we're standing together on the stage, singing to everybody. And you're like, I see everything. You're one big ass choir and you work. And this movie decides to do something different. Okay. On stage, it's always jarring to me when you put that that many people in different places singing the same song. Yeah. At least this way, you put them in their own unique circumstances because it's a it's a movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a smart move. Mm-hmm. Now, sound editors, please listen. If you're going to do a Broadway show. You can't make a choir of people sound as large as one human being. It has to sound bigger. Mm -hmm. And that's where this fails a little bit. It still feels at the same level. And even like the, the, the last time that Valjean says one day more, you hear it initially and then it balances out with all the other sounds when what you should hear is his voice over everything and you hear everything underneath it. Yep. And I'm sitting there going, nah, uh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like on the one hand, I'm like, I love what you did. And maybe that's the trade off you have to do with a movie when it's an adaptation of a musical is you have to trade off something. Yep. Because the I, it doesn't matter what you think. The movie is just never going to It's like a movie based on a book. The book will always be better. Yeah. The Exorcist. Who would have thought? Who would have fucking thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> Not this guy. What do you think of Marius? Marius is such a fucking dork. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> so poorly cast. <laughs> okay, now we're on to Do You Hear the People Sing? What's cool about this scene is that it does something different than the play, which is they start off on the streets and you just hear the drum of the march. Yeah. And they start to sing with the drum of the march. Which is cool. It's a really cool idea. The funeral march. Yes. I really don't like how this scene looks on the big screen. It feels like a couple kids who are just in irritation right now. It's bigger in its original IP. Because it takes place on the whole stage and it's not just a portion of it. Yeah, well, and the, uh, this is the trade-off with film. It's the minimalization of it. Um, it doesn't. The size doesn't really bother me in this. In in this, yeah, because of how the revolution turns out. Yeah, I'm okay with it because it does show that this is a small group of people. Now, if it's supposed to be a big group of people, then they didn't achieve that, though. No, 
No. And that's the other thing is this, you're able to see more people that are involved in the revolution, mm -hmm. which is good. But when it's a smaller cast, there's more stakes when the firing starts. And there's a point here where they, they, they begin the war, they begin shooting at each other and you know, Eponine gets shot. We'll get to that at some point. Uh, why, do to, we'll, why do you have to bring that up so soon? Well, maybe oh, yeah, I'll wait till I get to that point. Cause yeah, we'll get there. They, we do the building of the barricade. This is the biggest set piece of the Broadway play, the barricade. This uh, is, I, I've, I looked it up to get scope, yeah. but <laughs> even in the film without knowing what the barricade was supposed to look like, I even went, huh? It's tiny. That's it. <laughs> it's kind of tiny. That's not going to stop anybody. Which is hysterical because at the end of the movie, that barricade. That's the barricade. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's a barricade. That's what it should have been. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, huh? You can't handle this barricade. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, now, that whole scene is at a cafe in Horace and organizes a group of idealistic students at Lamarck's death is announced. Meanwhile, Eponine, she uh, leads them to Cosette where the two profess their love for each other. And then uh, Eponine just sits there going, I wish it was me. Uh, later, Very awkward. Yes. Later, an attempted robbery of Valjean's house makes him mistakenly believe that Javert has discovered him and he flees with Cosette. As they leave, Enholras rallies the Parisians to revolt and Cosette sends a farewell letter to Marius. The next day, the students interrupt Lamarck's funeral procession and begin their assault. And all those songs do exactly that. Now we get to Javert showing up. Javert's arrival. He's going to show up behind the barricade and no one's going to go, yeah, it might be a problem. Well, no, he was at the funeral march. He was there from the beginning. Oh, but this is behind the barricade now. No, I know. So he was helping. He was, so he was a part. So after yeah. the old lady was shot, mm -hmm. can't trust old ladies. <laughs> um, and the revolution begins. He's helping the French revolution side. Okay. And so then he winds up on the behind because he's been helping from the beginning. Yeah. He's planting himself. I gotcha. Dirty bastard. Son of a bitch. Uh, and then we get little people. Thank God they didn't sing the whole song. Oh, you don't. The whole song is two minutes and nine seconds. Oh, this that's, is that's, a, that's about two minutes too long. This for, is one verse. Yeah, that's great. This that I think that is some fat that could be trimmed. They that's where they trimmed some of the fat right there. They that's trimmed it good. there, but they also were smart because they go back to what it is when Gavroche gets shot and he's singing the little part, people part that's another part of that same song oh. and they just repurposed it in another place I like that which was smart yeah I was like yes hey play do the same thing because we don't need this little bitch on the on, the, on stage any longer <laughs> rude <laughs> um, yeah Javert deserves a nice crack to the head oh absolutely he's such a scumbag but it's also where when he sees Gavroche get shot that's when he begins to turn you can mm -hmm. see he's like Shit's not right. Yeah. And uh, I, it wasn't just the soldier shooting the innocent old lady. No, it wasn't that. It was the kid. Also deserved because well, you're going to shoot a kid, just grab it some boots. Well, he was taunting him with his little people song. But he's a little people. <laughs> now, and this is another thing is it, we get the firing. They start firing at each other out of nowhere. It's revealed that Eponina shot. What do you mean out of nowhere? She literally grabs the 
fucking muzzle and points it directly at her chest. Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she... I completely yeah, missed the that. The soldier comes over the barricade, points it right at fucking Eddie No Nuts. Okay. She grabs the gun and pulls it to her chest. I must have been typing at that moment because I was like, that is not how she died. <laughs> yeah, she grabs the gun, pulls it to her, and he fires. Okay. And my heart goes with it. Yes. Okay. Tears number five I feel I, I feel like I was robbed I need to watch it again now uh, because that was something where I was like you've got to be kidding me you cannot keep minimalizing these moments well they I read your note and I watched the entire performance of A Little Fall of Rain mm -hmm. and they did yeah and I really can't believe they did Eponine dirty, dirty in this movie yeah um, the here's the thing: the performance of that between, and I know that you know we have differing issues on Eddie Redmayne, but Eddie and Samantha Barks playing off of each other in that part, I'm I I, I love the acting that I'm seeing. I yeah, I don't I'm, like the fact that Samantha Barks is singing over the other guy. Like you're not in my league. I think the acting works. This is like one of the few times where I'm like not scoffing and like Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. I was in this movie, now I'm not. But in the stage performance, in her last, like, dying breath, when she's reaching up for... in This is in the stage performance. When she reaches up to try and get a single kiss. Yes. And she doesn't reach. Oh, my God. I fucking lost it. It's I'm, like, getting choked up now. That is so... Hard, yeah. All she wanted, and he gives her a kiss on the forehead after she passes. Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, Marius. <laughs> Fucking dork. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay, there, there's a song called "Night of Anguish" with Inhoras, Marius, Valjean, Javert, and the students. And this is where Valjean, Javert, basically switching places because Javert has been captured now, and Russell Crowe. It's almost like the emperor when Jean Valjean lets him go, like, do it. Come on, kill me. Do it. You know you want to. Fulfill your destiny. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there going, I've seen this guy before. <laughs> it was in Star Wars. Strike me down. <laughs> and, and honestly, I remember hearing this on in this song, Drink With Me. It's always one where I was like, I'm just going to fast forward to this one. I hate this song. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it slows down this, at this point. I need, you know, uh, I think I've said this, I think I said these later on, but yeah, I need something to push me through. Like this was, this is this the the beginning of the second act. Yes, this is right after the, the the war has just occurred. The battle at the barricade has occurred. Yeah. This is the night after when they're all like, okay, we're gonna chill out because Javier hasn't told them yet, hasn't lied to them yet as to where everybody's coming from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like the first act is so much stronger than the second. Am I wrong? In the stage play. Um at least in the movie, it's here's the thing, it's a different tone. I think what's nice about the first one is that it is still very fancy free, you know? You you have much more happy go lucky songs because no one's died yet. 
Okay. Outside of Fontaine, obviously. Um, And this one, this is where all of those decisions that they made in the first half, the Crows come home to roost now. And you're going to feel grief and you're going to feel sadness and you're going to feel for this, 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 Play is called Lay Miserable. They're this, all this miserable. Is, yeah, this play is just a a uh, take on life. Yes. Being so happy and go lucky until the second act of your life, and then it's just miserable experiences, death, and loneliness. But it also has just, here's the thing, it, it pales in comparison because we love those songs so much and what they do to you. Yeah. But the second half has just as good performances like Bring Him Home when Valjean is praying for Marius's life. <laughs> That's my least favorite song. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the shitty part about the movie mm. is that, again, a performance was minimalized on the screen. Okay. Um, or, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Little Fall of Rain's another one. Um, Javert's Suicide. It is almost mimicked to stars in the play. And in this, they almost just kind of go, See ya. And I'm, I'm going to bring that up. Like, I didn't really get it. Yeah. And uh, it just feels like, oh, okay, well, he never got his dude. Yeah. He's conflicted. And I guess you should kill yourself. <laughs> I guess you can go. You're kind of worthless now, right? <laughs> Is that, that's, the, that's the end of your songs? Uh, okay. Yeah. So they, let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four. There's, a, there's also another song that, they took out of this, mm. which it takes place in the sewers after Mary, after Mary's is saved by Jean Valjean, yeah. they're in the sewers and you run into the Thenardier down there who's stealing everybody's shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay. <laughs> now, mind you, they're all covered in shit. shit. This is disgusting. Look, when you gotta eat, you gotta eat. Yeah. This is definitely an improvement of what I saw on the stage. So, <laughs> because they allude to, you know, well, well, hold on. So that's a song where the... Sasha Baron Cohen's character is stealing stuff. Oh yeah. So it's, how does he get the ring off of Marius's finger? Uh, here it is. Here's a hint of gold stuck into a tooth. Pardon me, Monsieur. You, you won't, won't be needing, needing this no more. This shouldn't be too hard to sell. This is really dark. I'll add it to the stack. Here among the surettes, a breath away from hell, you get accustomed to the smell. Well, someone's got to clean them but up, my, my friends. friends. Bodies on the highway, law and order upside down. Someone's got to connect their arms and ends as a service to the town. <laughs> and it does that. It's a two minutes and 16 song, 16 minutes wow. song. But that's happening. Uh, and then he runs into Marius at the end of the song and he takes uh, the ring. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but they took that song out and they just had a meeting instead down there. Yeah. And that was a trimming of the fat where I was like, you know what? You could do that in this because it doesn't need to be any darker or more depressing at this point for a movie. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it doesn't go with Sasha Baron Cohen's performance. Not at all. That's why I was so surprised. Yeah. Cause even the music was like super sinister. Absolutely. But like that does not, that's, that guy is not what I just saw. No. Like an hour ago. Right. If I was a movie producer. Yeah. And I saw this on screen of you looting dead people covered in shit. I go, huh, maybe 
I don't think viewers would like this. No. And I think he's right. I think that's a little too far. Mm. In a play, yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah. You can't really, you know, it's it's there. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not like 2022. No. Film, like, dead dude, shit, gold. <laughs> or like taking the gold tooth out of a mouth. Yeah. And the... uh and also, Marius, he's got a gunshot wound. That shit's not going to do well in that no, bullet wound. I'm, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That, that He's going to die. Yeah, he's 25. He's going to fucking die in five years. He's going to die in about a week, with, week that. with that. <laughs> Being, oh. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the death of Gavrosh. We haven't talked about that yet. Ugh. Yeah, Gavrosh, this fucking My kid. boy! First of all, who the hell let him out? You know, like... <laughs> He, he just hey, squirrels his way through. He lives by his own rules. <laughs> and honestly, if the people don't rally around this at this point, I don't know what's going to happen. No. Takes a kid. Takes the death of a child. Uh, we also get, th- this is a cool shot. Javert walking through the bloodstained streets. Mm-hmm. Like, just his boots hitting that blood. You're like, damn, that's a cool shot. Yeah. That, okay, so after he realized that Valjean lets him go and he sees the death of Gavroche, that's when he has a suicide. <clears throat> and when you see the cinematic version of this, the suicide of Javert seems kind of out of nowhere and yeah. kind of minimizes the scope. That being said, Russell Crowe, thank you. We are free of your vocal range now. <laughs> to Javert. Yeah. In the I, film version. Pussy. There is nowhere I can turn. There is nowhere to go. problem is he's on the right note it's just his vocal isn't the timbre there's something there <sighs> and then I, I just wonder like who else they could have gotten and think it wasn't paul bettany thank god i don't see paul <laughs> no, bettany singing that one no that's the that's the problem like russell crowe as a javert not a singer as a javert <laughs> is great right he's great where i can turn there is no That's when he drops. Yeah, that works. It's like I can, he sounds like he is like, yeah, I'm going to fall to my death. Yeah. But you also notice that the music is different because the music in the movie sounds more like a horror film. Yeah. It's like super. And this is almost celebrating the fact that he's turned and the only way he can go is death. But why? Because it makes for a cool stage moment. (laughs) That's really it. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, like, I understand that Javert or Jean Valjean will never kill. Yes. Like, he's not that guy, and I totally accept that. Mm-hmm. But Javert killing himself, I don't buy it. Yeah, I, I think that if you... Especially in the film version. Yeah. If I, like, I'm, I'm sure the stage version, I'm like... You get more of the idea like, that it's a life purpose that's been totally lost. Yeah, my, yeah. Okay. You don't have to, but you're going to, I guess. I imagine it's a lot like you know, if you if you've been with someone for like 20 years and just out of nowhere they break up with you or cheat with cheat cheat on it's you. It's like Batman and Joker, dude. And you, the depression you feel thinking that you wasted all that time. And here he is. He's had this obsession with this guy, trying to get him. And every time he has him, he's doing something good, and it makes you conflict. And now he's let you go. 
He's wasted so much of his life, he can't get it back. Yeah. If Over. if Batman died, what would Joker do? The Jared Leto laughed. Oh, f*** <laughs> off. <laughs> I can't, I can't even do it. <laughs> no, but what was it? The Harley Quinn show? Yeah, it was the Harley Quinn show when he like reveals it's Bruce Wayne. Oh, yes. He's like, Are you fucking kidding me? And he's like all depressed. <laughs> like, what have I been doing this my entire life? My whole purpose is gone. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's unable to reconcile the conflict between his civil and moral duties. Yeah, do the okay. Yeah, he right. considered them the same at one point. Now they're different. Now this is another part where they 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 trim the fat. The song turning because this is when the girls are scrubbing the streets of the blood. Mm. They sing one verse and they're done. That song lasts for two minutes. Two minutes of scrubbing blood. And yeah, well, it's not that. What they're doing on the stage is they're. The bar that all the people were seeing, yeah. uh, hanging out in, mm. the chairs are all thrown down, and they're cleaning up the bar and getting it back to normal again. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So it's supposed to represent the passage of time going by after the barricade. Oh, okay. So the barricade's still up. Yeah. So I've seen the barricade mm. on the stage. Yeah. It's, it's the whole fucking stage. It is. And it comes together side by side like that. Like just okay. hands together. Okay. Yeah. Because I was wondering, because it looks like it has depth too. Mm -hmm. like it comes from the sides. Okay. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I was wondering how to bring that barricade back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so they put, they put, they get all the chairs together. And that's when Mary sits down at the bar by himself and sings empty chairs and empty tables. Mm. Whereas this, they're scrubbing the streets and Mary just shows up in some place and it's kind of like, huh, well, we were partying here at one point. Now everybody's gone, and this is a this is another song where it, it, this is a good song, but it's one more moment where we're sitting there going, "Why, Marius, Eddie Redmayne, why why are you here?" And I like the acting here, but now he's focused on the acting less on the singing. He, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I'll say it again. I know he doesn't do it for me in this. I know, I know. Uh, this is where he's mourning his friends. And then Cosette stops by and goes, hey, it's going to be okay. You got me. I got you. I got, got some ass. Yeah. You good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not happening. Yeah. Get away. Uh, revealing his past. So, so yeah, revealing his past to Marius. Valjean tells him he must leave because his presence endangers Cosette and makes Marius promise never to tell her. If he doesn't want Cosette to know why? about his past, then why did he tell Marius? Well, why? And more importantly, he's just. on stage too. Again, when it's on the stage, you get the feeling he's literally going elsewhere. He's going down, down the street. street. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like he's finally, instead of like fleeing the country when he Javert is after him. Right. He leaves after it's done. Yeah. He saves Marius. He goes, Marius is her family now. I'm going to move on. And we get the wedding. That was a quick turn around we're gonna get where yeah. yeah barely know each other we're gonna get married and uh here come the madam and monsieur thenardier oh, and boy man. they are dressed to the nines thank god thank god they show up and i'm just like damn that's an entrance absolutely how the <laughs> f 
do they even get in there? I don't know. Uh, it, it, they just, they, they show up. Yeah. It, the thing is, there's so many people at the wedding, you don't even notice that they're there. That's how many people are on the stage. But this looked like it was just part of a house. They were like, oh, there's four people showed up. And is uh, this rich kid, uh, Marius, <laughs> always been a rich kid and just wants to start a revolution? Yeah. Where the f does he get all his money? Like this is. I think it's Valjean's money. <laughs> Although no, because they allude to the fact that he's a he's a wealthy kid. Eponine says that. Oh. Eponine says that he came from money. Okay, because I was like, this is a bourgeois. Oh yeah. Wedding. Yeah. This isn't. No. Mm -hmm. I, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know. I don't like that he comes from money. Okay. Because what's the, what's the point? to put something cool on the stage. Oh, all right. Yeah. A few months later, Marius and Cosette Mary, the Fenardiers crash the reception. And I see they seem a little shoehorned into the story here. Uh, and they testify. How do they know the date? How do they, I know. So yeah. Right. Well, it's apparently Paris is really small again. Oh, yeah. Paris is real small. Yeah. Uh, they testify that they saw Valjean carrying a murdered corpse to the sewers. And Thenardier unwittingly shows Marius the ring that he stole from him as proof. Recognizing the ring, Marius realizes that it was Valjean who saved his, saved his life. Marius and Cosette rush to Valjean after being told his location by the Thenardier, which is right down the street. <laughs> How does Thenardier know he's there? I, that dude does not go to church. <laughs> I know a lot of weird people that maybe, go to church. Maybe to scrape the grime of sinny sin sin off of him. Yeah. It uses, <laughs> uses that holy water to wipe off that makeup. Uh, that fake-ass mustache. <laughs> and now we get the ending. Okay, as Valjean sits dying in a local convent from his local, his, lo his local term, his long, <laughs> it's local, from his long-term heart condition, he perceives the spirit of Fantine appearing to take him to heaven. Cosette and Marius rush in to bid farewell. Valjean hands Cosette his confession of his past life and the spirits of Fantine and the bishop guide him to paradise, where he joins the spirits of Enholras, Eponine, Gavroche, and the other rebels at a real barricade on the Rue Soufflo. <laughs> so we get Valjean's death. He really didn't age Valjean well in this. He looks great. He looks I mean, fantastic. Well, we were at 47. I'm sure he's like 56 now. Yeah. Where's the white hair? There's some grays. Yeah. Kind of. But I expected an old man. Yeah. Papa, why'd you go away? You didn't go away. It was a block away. It was a block away. <laughs> and you don't got a church? Because clearly if you went to church. You would have seen You would have seen me. <laughs> Tears six and seven. There you go. Thanks, Les Mis. Did you wait? Okay, so you got it when when Fontaine showed up. Okay. <sighs> when yep. Fontaine shows up. Yes. And then all the people who have died, and it's the final rally yeah. on what the barricade's supposed to look like. Yes. Oh. The just fing kills me. If I recall this correctly. They come from the background of the scene and they're all dressed in white. And the choir. All the spirits. On stage. On the stage. They come oh, from, they come from okay. they, they sneak in from all the shadows of the background. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so and when he gives the confession of his past life, I always took that as this is the book Lame is that he's giving. Oh yeah. I always took it as that. Um, and that we've just witnessed the events of his confession. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we get, do you hear the people sing, uh, which is the cast. And that's again, what the barricade should have looked like. 
Um, start. But it's another one of those moments where you're like, I love seeing the individual performances, but I want to hear the whole chorus. I want to hear the people sing. Yes. Like you should, like you heard it earlier. It feels like you're going to war. They're singing like they're going to war. They're singing like they're celebrating I something. I feel it. Yes. Uh, but that's all, folks. That's the movie. We made it. We did. No, uh, Almost no tears shed. According to the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes, that's got a tomato meter reading of 58%. You can go fuck yourself. 37 fresh and 27 rotten. The, the critics gave this a 6.6 out of 10 average. You're so fucking wrong. <laughs> the critics Jesus Christ. says impeccably mounted, but occasionally bombastic. Les Mis largely succeeds thanks to bravura performances from its distinguished cast. So Wakanda Forever is better than this fucking movie. Oh, yeah, I can't believe you brought that shit up. No, fuck that. <laughs> so apparently Rotten Tomatoes, Wakanda Forever is better than this fucking movie. I'm verifying this right now. Oh, I know, because that one's certified fresh for whatever fucking reason. Uh, Can you change reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? If you put one up, you can. Okay, so the tomato meter, top critics, it has... 58 fresh, 20 rotten now. So it's a 74%. Oh, it dropped to 74? It's dropped. <laughs> and it's a 7 out of 10 rating now. It's better than fucking Les Mis, apparently. By 0.4 on average, yes. Um, what a world. What a world. Now yeah. let's see. Let's... Sorry for the Marvel fans. That movie sucks. It blew dick. See, what is it? Shit oh my show. god! Crap, crap fest. <laughs> no, no. The the sections of phase phase, phase four phase four phase four sucked a dick. <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the uh, rotten critics. Uh, okay. Leonard Moulton, the famous Leonard Moulton, said uh, these made me very angry. By the way, these there are some moving scenes and some of the songs are well realized. I was particularly impressed with Eddie Redmayne, whose acting and singing is for me the highlight of the film. Wow, <laughs> that. Mo that blowjob must have been amazing. <laughs> that one was aimed right at you. His head game must be strong. I tell you, he knows how to gargle them balls. Okay, Dana Stevens of The Slate says, we're all familiar with the experience of seeing movies that cram ideas and themes down our throats. Les Mis may, may represent the first movie to do so while also cramming us down the throats of its actors. Because <laughs> there's so many headshots. <laughs> I mean that's funny. That's funny. The <laughs> the cramming ideas and themes. I don't see that. Yeah. Anywhere. I, it it's not like the themes weren't already there. They didn't add anything to this. No. They so you're gonna say there. the same thing about in the show? And that was in 2012. That was fret that was two days after it came yeah. out. Yeah. And then we got Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle who said, at the heart of the Les Miserables movie was a good idea that just didn't work out this time. The idea was that the actors should sing their songs live on camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Russell Crowe is not the entire movie. No, he's not. If you're trying to say Anne Hathaway and Samantha Bark and Hugh Jackman and some of the other people and Helen some of the others <laughs> Helen Bonham Carter Sasha Baron Sasha Cohen. Cohen are not meeting your standard I don't know who the fuck your standard is need to lower your standard <laughs> you're out of your fucking mind I bet he fucking pronounces it just like John Travolta how Lemurs Bobles <laughs> have you never seen that no oh my god type no right now YouTube John Travolta Lay Miz I'm looking this up right now. The Oscar-nominated Best Picture. 
Les Misérables. Les Misérables. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I was wondering why you didn't get the joke from earlier. No, I didn't get that one. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's like when Harrison Ford said, the Golden Globe. <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Globe. Okay. The audience score of the movie was a four out of five with 79% agreeing it's a three or higher. They're a little bit more closer. Uh, I movie. feel like people just don't like musicals, and that's part of their criticism. Or it's just, this is such a famous one, it was never going to live up to the hype. It just wasn't. Going, it's just one of those ones that's never going to. Um, so the movie's over. Were you entertained? And I'm going to say, absolutely. Yes, goddammit. But this is a movie that inspires me to watch the performances on Broadway. It okay. serves to remind me that there is a better version but although this is lesser, it's still damned good. It's still damn good. It really fucking is. Yeah. And you, sir, were you entertained? Yes, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Why you have to hurt me so much? <laughs> okay, let's figure out whether the awards got it right. Okay, at the Academy Awards, it had eight nominations, three wins. Uh, it won for Best Performance by an Actress, Anne Hathaway, in a supporting role. Supporting role. It does still. Uh, it won All for the awards. Time. Best Achievement in Sound Mixing. I've had some issues with the sound, but that's my own issue. Uh, best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling, it won for. Which, I agree, you made Helen, Helena Bonham Carter look crazy as shit again. <laughs> now, it was nominated for Best Motion Picture of the Year, and it lost to Argo. You are out of your f mind great you, movie yes but anything political is gonna win uh yeah you're right you're absolutely anything right. political there's no chance for anything else that being said i think django is a way better movie than argo lincoln was up there too lincoln was an incredible movie zero dark 30 was great fantastic i'm honestly honestly i'm surprised that didn't win can killing you with some of them on oh i i can see I, them not doing that one because again it's it's guns can't have guns. They hate their guns. Argo? Oh, no. Yeah, Argo was about escaping. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then you had best performance by an actor in a leading role. Uh, Hugh Jackman was up for this, but Daniel Day-Lewis won for Lincoln, and I can't disagree. I mean, no, that was fucking Lincoln on That was Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> if he wasn't in there, I'd say give it to Jackman. Oh, no, he just absolutely. Won. But that's like, if you're an actor that gives a shit about this, these stupid fucking awards that yeah. mean nothing... How upset are you that Daniel Day-Lewis is in a movie when you book this movie that you're like, oh, this could get me an award. You finally got the role that you knew was going to give you the accolade, and, and Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis Day agreed to do a movie that year. Uh-huh. <laughs> How pissed off. Wait, he's doing, son of a, can we delay it a year? <laughs> I'll, I'll fake COVID. <laughs> Lame is isn't going anywhere. <laughs> okay, we have best achievement in production design. Lincoln won again. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about the production design of that movie. I, I mean, if anything, Anna Karenina, the way it it was, that movie's so bizarre. And have you seen it? No. Oh, dude, you got watch it okay. it does this really bizarre because it's it's a show it's a music it's not a musical it's a it's a play yes and it does this really bizarre like single shots where it's a movie but then it's the stage okay and then like they're riding horses but they're on the stage and then the horse jumps like it's 
It's this crazy production. That sounds wild. I like it. Yeah. Like, honestly, Les Mis was great. And honestly, probably show on. But Anna Karenina was bonkers. I mean, it's the dude who did um, Moulin Rouge. Oh. It's fucking bonkers. Baz Luhrmann. It's bonkers. Okay. That makes sense then. I can understand that. He's got a style all his own. But I think Les Mis was on the right track until they panned away to see the barricade. barricade and you were like, that looks like where Charlie from Willy Wonka lives. <laughs> like, stub, when did it, I might stub my toe on it, but I'm not going to be stopped by it. Like, did this turn into Seussical? Yeah. <laughs> uh, best achievement in costume design went to Anna Karenina, uh, uh, which you would know better than me. I think Les Mis, I don't know. It's tough. They're both, because it's, they're both like in the same kind of like time periods and yeah. it's just like, do you like dirty, stinky people or do you like some bourgeois Russian people? Okay. So you have, I mean, that's the problem. Eat the rich. You get, <laughs> you get the extravagant suits and general costumes and dresses and blah, blah, blah. Whereas this, you get sticky hooers. 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 Uh, best achievement in music written for motion pictures, original song. You are out of your fucking mind. That song blows. All the new Bond songs fucking blow. But honestly, it was better than suddenly because suddenly it's forgettable. Oh yeah, no. I don't. How do you feel? Like I've shared my opinion. Yeah. About Adele's Skyfall. I'm not a big fan of Adele in general. I okay. respect her as a singer. Yeah. She's fine. Doesn't do it for me. I don't care about any of her songs. It's a Bond song. Let's see who the most recent Bond, like the, the Daniel Craig Bonds, right? Yes. Oh, the most recent one? The most boring Well, that's Bond the Billie song? Eilish one, right? Yeah. That's the Billie Eilish one. The one they chose for the fucking climax of Daniel Craig's James Bond. So, all the Daniel Craig themes. So, it was Sam Smith's Writings on the Wall. Oh, great. Jack White and Alicia Keys, Another Way to that Die. That one rips. Uh, Chris Chris Cornell, you know my name. I love that okay. song. Yeah, yeah. I stand corrected. <laughs> stand corrected. Chris Cornell. Yes, he wins. Then you had Billy Eilish he, and Casino Royale. Chris Cornell was. Let's see. Spectre. That was. For some reason, I think that was Quantum of Solace. I thought Quantum of Solace was. Oh no no it, no! it was Casino Royale. It was just, it was Daniel Craig's debut. I love that Chris song. Cornell. That song rips. That that one rips. <laughs> That's the best one. Followed by Jack White, because that one's a ripper. Yes. Any of the other ones? But yeah, Billy Eilish, No so Time to Die. They're so fucking boring. And Adele Skyfall. Those, those are the five. So two out of five. Uh, Golden Globes. <laughs> uh, let's see. It was nominated for Best Motion Picture, and it won Fantastic. for Comedy or Musical. Uh, and it was uh, best performance by an actor in a motion picture. Hugh Jackman wins that one. And guess who's not in that? I don't see Daniel Day-Lewis. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Anne Hathaway takes it again for supporting role in a motion picture. Uh, best original song, however, goes to Skyfall again because it must have been a weak year. <laughs> God. And then at the uh, Saturn Awards, it was nominated for best action adventure film. There was like seven minutes of action in this movie. <laughs> I, lo I love that Taken 2 is in this. Yes. Uh, Skyfall won that one. Yeah, Skyfall should have won over Les Mis. Yeah. Well, in an action, I mean, Skyfall, look, I bash Adele. Mm -hmm. theme song for that. 
Skyfall might be my favorite of the Craig. Balls. You either think it's Casino Royale or Skyfall. It's one or the other. Those are the two. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I hated Quantum of Silas until I saw the third movie and I realized the point of Quantum of Silas. Yes. Same. I was like, what the <laughs> f is going on? Right. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. And then you go, oh, Olga. Uh, Kurilenko? Yep. Shoot! Yep. Taskmaster. Oh, my God. <laughs> Leave that out of this. Uh, best actor went to Matthew McConaughey for Killer Joe, not Hugh Jackman. You were robbed, Hugh. <laughs> I think you were robbed. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis is not Look, listed there. You're not Mud. You're not... No. Dallas Buyers Club. Killer Joe? Are you fucking kidding me? I know. Best costumes went to Les Mis. Great. Okay. Uh, best performance by a younger actor. It was... Well, Gavroche was nominated, but it went to the lead of a Life lead of, of a movie. <laughs> the the only character in that fucking movie. Yeah, and besides uh, a kitty cat. Honestly, I prefer the Life of Pi. Well, I think that I mean Tom Holland's performance in The Impossible is gut wrenching. I've not seen that. Oh, dude, it is brutal. Okay. The, uh, when they when he and his mom get swept away in yeah. the, the oh I have seen this oh my god this was a tsunami movie right yeah, it is okay brutal um from the ring the mom Naomi Watts that's his mom right yeah yes okay I have seen brutal. that brutal let's see Beast of the Southern Wild I never saw it yeah Dark Shadows I love Chloe Grace Monets she'll never outgrow Hit Girl that's the thing. I'll never not see her as let me in. Best production design went to The Hobbit. What? Pro what? It what was production? all CGI. It was all CGI. <laughs> the what are you talking about? In that case, Lamez should have won. <laughs> uh, best supporting actress. There goes Anne Hathaway again, but this time not for Les Mis, but for The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> what the literal? F the performance of a lifetime, and it gets given to a Batman. Movie. She was nominated twice for the same thing, though. Oh my god! So they gave it to her for that because it's a Saturn Awards. Oh, it's a Saturn. Okay, well those are science fiction and right. I'm surprised that fucking Lay Miz is even in this. Yeah, so she got double. She she had a two out of six chance on that one. Best film. Now we're at the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, Judy Dench. Best female performance goes to Jennifer Lawrence, not Anne Hathaway. Fuck you, MTV. <laughs> Others, Rebel Wilson Honestly, for Pitch Perfect. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't give it the fucking Rebel Wilson. I know. I think it's hilarious. She is funny. Yeah. I've never watched Pitch Perfect. Oh, it's hysterical. Shut the fuck up. It, it's, the it's, dude from Workaholics is in it. That's all I know. It's pretty fucking funny. Ugh, I can't do it. Yeah. I just can't do it. That's okay. But for real, I know. Anne Hathaway, here's, here, okay, so here's, uh, what's well, MTV? Why am I even arguing? It's fucking music television. This just shows horrors and 16 year old getting pregnant. Best musical moment goes to Pitch Perfect over Fantine and I Dreamed a Dream. Dude. <laughs> I'm about to throw this microphone through the closet. Blow. Oh, oh, you ready to blow? Yeah, I'm ready to blow. Well, I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> this was MTV. MTV. What the fuck is wrong with you? He chose. <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, how did Magic Mike and It's Raining Men not win? I, I'd be happier with Raining Men yeah. than Pitch Fucking Perfect. I, Was it that stupid fucking cup song? 
No, it was their performance, their acapella of No Diggity. It's, that it, makes me so fucking mad. But it's pretty good. Shut up. Pretty no, it's not. It, no, it's not. It Look, it's not as good as I Dreamed a Dream. It's not. Nothing is as good as that. Nothing. Okay. Nothing's as good as that. Oh, my God. Um, fucking 13-year-olds. It's, it's, well, it's a bunch of 13-year-olds. <laughs> of course they're not going to fucking... Of course they're not going to fucking vote for Anne Hathaway's I Dreamed a Dream. That's the cup movie. The cup movie. Yeah, the the. the, the I know what it is. No. There it is. It's going down. Fade to black street. The homies got at me. Collab creations. Bump like acne. No doubt. I put it down. Never slouch. As long as my credit could vouch, a dog couldn't catch me. Straight up. Tell me who can stop when Dre making moves. Attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the. This is the whitest <laughs> shit I may have ever heard. Kids Bop did a better version of this. I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, and then breakthrough performance goes to Rebel Wilson for Pitch Perfect over Eddie Redmayne for Les Mis. I'm so fine with it. I'm good with that. I'm, <laughs> honestly, I'm surprised Ezra Miller didn't win. Uh, Ezra who? Ezra Miller. I don't know who that is. Star of such movies as Justice League and soon to be The Flash. He is The Flash. Yeah, but the movie that's coming out. A Flash in the Pan. Oh! Oh, he's okay. amazing. I love him. You you love him because he's going to cause chaos. He's a hurricane. But also, look, if we're being real, he's got some issues. And I think he just needs the right person to help him. Now, whether that's jail time for any crimes he committed, sure. But I just think he needs somebody. He just needs help. It's not what you know. It's what you can prove. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the Flash movie's coming out. Uh, no, it's not. Okay, all right. On to our next segment. How much money are we going to start betting on this? <laughs> we'll start with pennies. It'll grow to dollars and then tens and, and then fifties. And then hundreds. Yeah. And then we'll realize that neither of us can really afford that. And we'll go back to pennies again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. So I will go first. My top three. Number three. Hugh Jackman had to work for this movie, and he worked. Boy, howdy. He worked. Uh, number two, they did a really good job of pacing in this movie, especially considering the original Broadway play is two hours and 50 minutes, and they cut away 12 minutes of fat. And my number one, Anne Hathaway, though brief, is perfect. Those are my three. Sam, what are your three? I think the music and production and cinematography is just top tier okay my number two is Hugh Jackman is stellar I think this man has made me cry more than any other actor ever really he gets me like three times in this movie Wolverine the stage performances I've seen yeah like he sings with the right emotion perfectly I, it, it, he's he's like a one in a million. Absolutely. Um, and then Anne Hathaway. Oh. I mean, it's basically the same thing you said, but she's only in it for a little bit. But damn, she has my heart and then completely rips it out <laughs> and says, 
you won't be needing this anymore. Oh, son of a bitch. It's like 30 minutes, and I care more for a character than I have in most. It's like... You know, honestly, she, it may just be 15, because the first 10 is Jean Valjean and Javert. No, you're very right. Like, yeah. for her time, maybe 15 or 10 minutes. Right. Um, it's 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 much like the, like the only other experience I can think of with that similar emotional and it's not even close but the last of us okay the first the, game the video game yeah yeah the first 15 minutes the game's been out long enough your daughter dies okay in your arms and it like I've never played a game that makes me like well up in the first five minutes yeah and it's like how did a game do that without a person acting and giving in yeah um, or the first five minutes of up Oh yeah, that just break you. <laughs> oh yeah, that's another one. That's when that's when Disney got cynical and dark. Yes, they They're did. Like, oh yeah, we're really tired of this. Pixar whipped their dick out on that one. And just said, okay, here, look, look at it, look at it, look at it. <laughs> I want you to look at it. Uh, Anne Hathaway, just the performance of a lifetime. Yeah, I hope she has another inner. All right, that's my top three. Okay, time for the bottom three. Time to vent. Uh, Russell Crowe is not a singer. We've said this several times. I'll say it one more. Uh, number two, big moments are minimized and plot pacing scenes seemed to take priority. And my number one, they could have added a variety in the shots during songs. I don't think the headshots every time were the way to go. Those are my three. And... Uh, you're up, sir. You're three. Why are you doing this to me? I'm already suffering enough. Go for it. No. <laughs> I can refuse. No, don't you turn it up. <laughs> He's taking his headphones off. Okay, no. I'll, it's off. It's off now. It's off. I've turned it off. I've turned it off. I'm getting off the pitch perfect page. Oh my God, so white. I just can't do it. You're good now. All right. My number three is, look, I'm sorry, Eddie Raymond. Redmond. Redmond. <laughs> whatever the fuck Everybody loves is. Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't do it for me in this movie. No. I don't think you were the right cast. You know, maybe if you switched with Aaron Tviet. Maybe, yeah. Tviet, 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 whatever. I think you solved a massive problem there. Yeah, it was, it was one of the original thoughts. It's like, why don't these guys switch? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. And for those who are listening, he's an incredible actor. Uh, the Theory of Everything. Oh, he's Danish great girl. That. Danish girl. Yeah. Danish girl. Oh, my God. Oh, just brutal, mm. brutal performance. But the singing, it pulls me out. His acting pulls me out. Mm. It did, the whole thing. And it, and it really should be like more of a number one or a two. In fact, I'm going to change that to two. Because he's because Russell Crowe doesn't pull me out of this movie more than he does. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So my number three is Russell Crowe, and it's you know everybody said it. Yeah. And literally everybody was like, "Yeesh." From the get go. From the get go. Yeah. So that's my number three. Number two is Eddie Rabin. Okay. Whatever the fuck his name. Redmayne. <laughs> Appreciate you. Sorry about your Fantastic name. Beasts bullshit <laughs> series that should have never existed or oh what a dumpster fire that holy was holy fucking shit Ugh. did that get canceled i think it did good i think <laughs> they just said okay we're done fucking 
Jesus, just put it out of its misery. Yeah. And then my number one is the movie loses steam in the three quarter mark. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just like this is the theme and the vibe that they're kind of putting out. This is like this is the sad part. This is where people start dying. This is where people grow old. This is where things don't go as planned. Yeah. But I think there could have been things to put in to help propel the second act mm -hmm. because the first act was so strong and it just didn't have the weight to carry it to the finish line until you get to the finish line and then I'm fucking weeping um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm with you every time I I don't think they need all the headshots all the time yeah like the whole point of the stage is like I get the presence. I get the setting. I get the context. Yeah. It's a part of why the theater is so powerful and is so awesome. It's like you can't experience everything that the performance can offer without it. I don't need their face. I know what they look like. It was a miscue in the movie to do that, I think. Yeah. And I get what he was thinking. Right. And you know what? He probably solved the problem in cats. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, how can how can you fucking go from lame is the cast? I mean, what a that's a dive. <laughs> that's a dive. Wasn't uh, it released in theaters and then they fixed the CGI again? I don't know. I <laughs> I think they released it in theaters and then they took it out for like a week to fix some CGI issues and then they put it back in. <laughs> oh, they erased the buttholes. <laughs> that may have been it. Ready to do critics? Yeah. All right. We use an A to F scale on the movie planet. C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. And if the movie is so bad, it receives Fs from all the hosts. It goes to a new category movie, The Global Killer. Global Killer. The end of mankind. Doesn't matter where it hits. Nothing would survive. Not even bacteria. Thank you. Or John Travolta's pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you give 2012's Les Mis in the musical movie genre by today's standards? You're up, sir. A D. <laughs> For delicious? For dynamite. <laughs> dynamite. Dynamite. Hit me, your, hit me with your best shot. Oh my God, have you ever watched Black Dynamite show? Who? Black Dynamite. I've seen Dolomite. No, Black Dynamite. No. Oh my God, you're missing out. It's the worst. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, you knew it. I was playing you it right dirty, away. You dirty bitch. Tell us, Sam, how do you feel about this movie? God, she crushes me. I've never seen The Late Miz Show, but it's possibly one of the first shows I remember seeing or hearing about as a kid outside of West Side Story. And I knew about it growing up and in my adulthood. It was a massive part of stage, just like cats. <laughs> That's a joke. Don't take that seriously. <laughs> the shoes to fill. This this is this is not a joke. The shoes to fill, much like Phantom of the Opera or West Side Story, are some pretty huge shoes. Where this movie succeeds, the cast, for the most part is so well cast and the actors give such heavy performances I'm left weeping the songs and melodies are in no other words powerful and the actors deliver this live which is vital to the show itself Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway are able to give such 
are able to give so much emotion to their performance where typically film just can't do it. The set design, costumes, and makeup put me into the early 19th century of France, which by all accounts is a shithole. <laughs> Most places were. <laughs> Russell Crowe is a wonderful Javert. Javert. A man driven by his code, representing the passive Valjean that he could never outrun. Where the movie doesn't succeed, so much momentum is lost in the final act. Eddie Redmayne, I'll say it again, dude. You were not supposed to be this guy. He's a wonderful actor. But I think Russell Crowe's singing is better. And that says something. There's so many close-ups, yet on stage, there's never a close-up for that re for a reason. It is a character expressing themselves in their emotions in setting. I appreciate the powerful performances, but I also need to see the character in their environment, not the actor. Despite the slight faults, it's still the most emotionally power driven musical I think I've ever seen. And for that, I mean, it's an A plus. So an A. It's an A. A is the highest we go. Oh, it's an A. It's an A. Oh. Right here. Oh, she's heaving. We're gonna get copyrighted for this, but who gives a shit? <laughs> oh my god. Adele beat this. Yeah. Pitch Perfect Pitch beat this. <laughs> Wakanda Forever <laughs> beat this. This is, I'm dying right now. I'm dying inside. Right there, when she starts crying while oh singing. Oh my God. Now I will kill the dream you dreamed. Oh, it's my turn. My God. Okay. <laughs> and just, just really quick before we move into yours. Yes. I remember wanting to know all about how they did this performance, mm. how they how they did the movie itself. Yeah. And I remember one of the behind the scenes was they were filming this. I think like this was day one. Okay. Of production. I think it was this song. And if I remember correctly, after she finished this performance, everybody on set mm -hmm. was weeping. Oh, I believe it. Everyone. I believe it. Yeah. Even the cameraman. Yeah. Yeah. I've been so bad if I had to take two. <laughs> oh, shit. We didn't have the sound on. Can you do that again? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can, can you do that again? <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, it is a heavy burden to try to adapt a world-famous musical into a movie. Like, I can't imagine the type of ego you would need to say, hey, everyone likes the stage play, but we can make a better movie. 
Little Shop of Horrors is a better movie than stage musical. Rocky Horror Show is a better movie than stage musical. Fiddler on the Roof is equal as a movie and a stage musical. Newsies is shit. This movie <laughs> is a better stage musical than a movie. Much like Phantom of the Opera. There's only one way to go with those two properties, and it's not up. This is not the fault of the director or the writer or the producers. It's just so big it can't measure up in any other way or in any other form. It is too big to be any larger. But we're here to grade the movie, not grade it compared to the musical. There are choices that were made in this movie that were better done in the stage play that I find mysterious as to why they didn't capitalize on it and just mimic it. Plot-wise, this movie is already written, but there's a clear moment when your body says, how much time is left? This is called the intermission moment. You mentioned it, when you, which you didn't have in this film, which is nearly the same length as the play. As a movie, it is paced as well as it can be, and it tries not to cut too much fat away from the original IP to keep it honest. I do question some of the direction in this movie. I don't like the zoom in shots for every song. I get as important to want to show how much these actors are doing their own singing, but there are moments in those songs where a pan out can be even more impactful to the emotion of the song. And I think the director was so focused on one, he may have lost track of the other. Or he consciously thought it was a good choice, did it deliberately, and it just didn't play as well as he wanted. Either way, it's a lot of zoom while sacrificing some boom. You like that? Throw that shit on a bumper sticker. <laughs> Another direction issue I have is how it unintentionally minimizes major moments from the source material. The barricade, the student revolution, Eponine's death, to name a few. They hold much more gravitas and are grander moments on a smaller stage, but when you see it in the scope of an actual city, community, or try to draw realism to the confusion of a battle, it takes a lot away from something that didn't need alteration. Now, performance-wise, the actors we see are actors first and singers second. Let's concede that first. Hugh Jackman, Anne Hathaway, Samantha Barks, and Eddie Redmayne carry the load for emotional acting. I did not say singing, I said acting. Helena Bonham Carter and Sasha Baron Cohen bring that quirky-ass humor that was necessary for levity. And Russell Crowe, he was there. <laughs> <laughs> Overall... I'm giving this movie an A minus in the musical movie Pantheon. It is a good adaptation and arguably the best adaptation of this IP in movie form that there will ever be. It cannot get better than this for this musical. And because I feel like it's hit the peak for it, I've got to give it an A minus and put it right up there with Little Shop of Horrors which I That's also gave an A minus. It isn't perfect. And it has plenty of questionable choices to earn the grade given just to nick it a half of a point. <laughs> so overall, I gave it a nine, A minus. You gave it an A. This is above Fiddler on the Roof. It, we have Les Mis at an 11.5 out of 12. Fiddler on the Roof is an 11 out of 12. Then Little Shop, then Shit Newsies, and then, of course, our favorite David. failure, oh, Rocky Horror Picture you Show. You gotta love her. <laughs> you gotta love her. This happened. This this was exactly what I was hoping was going to happen. I was happy about this. Now, yeah, If Fiddler on the Roof had beat Les Mis, I'd have to go watch Little Fiddler on the Roof. It's pretty damn good. It really is. And honestly, it's below because I gave it a B minus. 
or I gave it, I gave it a B plus. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, only because the length of it, the length of it was rough. Okay. The pacing. Uh, now let's get our critic stats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie or none of the above? I like it. It's different enough to appreciate it. But afterwards, when I threw the soundtrack on, it was the original stage play. It just plays bigger on stage. Sam? I fucking love it. As you and should. Brings me to my knees, spanks me, <laughs> and says, beg for more, you little bitch. I go, yes, mademoiselle. Yes, mademoiselle. <laughs> well, let's close this shit out. That's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we will look at Dune from 2022, not 1984, for the science fiction movie Pantheon. So if you were hoping to see some 1984 Dune. Sting in a hammock. Get out of here. You ain't going to see that shit. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Okay, Sam, any last words? I would like to uh, thank the entire cast especially those who uh, played Colette. Cosette. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Eponine, my address is... <laughs> Samantha Barks, I love you. Love you. Thanks for listening. Happy movie watching. There you go. Did you I watch did it all it. in one sitting? God, I'm getting weird gargles. Oh, I heard that Jesus. too. <laughs> I'm just a monster. I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> just a monster. Uh, okay, so uh, there we go. Now I'm making noises. I am so sorry. What happened? What? The computer going. You need an update. Oh. Install it now. <laughs> well, it's like saying it's a rescue. oh my god oh yeah that was a little dark can we call children rescues (laughs) if I adopt one that's what I'm saying if you adopt one it's a rescue I rescued him (laughs) I'm gonna grab another beer no okay (laughs) we're just gonna go it's okay my dad was rescued there you go see runs in the family yeah
<laughs> I had the thought. Hold on. I had the thought. God damn it. Where'd it go? Thought. Come on. <laughs> son of a bitch. Oh, 